Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Least Talk Forever, episode 21. Uh, just me and Scott again. Uh, Kyle can't be with us. Got some baseball. Some, I'm going to assume co-ed because he's an adult. Uh, probably slow pitch because the guy sucks at baseball. Um, I mean, I play slow pitch too, but don't matter. Um, so, yeah, we had a nice uh, week off. I think, yeah, one week off. In that week, we grinded some business. Um not to do with the podcast, but kind of do with the podcast. Uh, I met Nick Kipperos because he gave a donation to um, our brothers, Jack and Jill. Little Buddha cocktail drinks at your LCBO if you're of age. Um, I don't drink, neither does Scott, so we don't know what they taste like. Obviously, there are donations, so we wouldn't drink them, but we haven't gone to the LCBO to get any because we don't drink. But if you do, check it out. Uh, being Nick Kipperos was kind of cool, but the the I guess the most cool experience about the whole thing was I mentioned potentially um, a person that he knows as a guest star coming on, and I don't know if he had heard about our podcast or if he was just kind of going along with the conversation. But he did give us some positive information or positive uh, feedback, told us to keep grinding, um, and that he I said like our podcast isn't as good as his, and he said we've got twenty years on you, so kind of stick with it. So. Thanks, Nick Kipros. If you ever do listen to this, we appreciate that. Uh, second, second thought here um, to go with that. We have a guest star confirmed for August. Uh, it's going to be the week of the August twenty fifth, uh, I believe. August. Let me just quick, quickly check here. Uh, yeah, so it'll be August twenty fifth. We're not going to release the guest star yet, just in case there is a cancellation. Um, but we we booked them for thirty minutes absolutely free he's doing this out of the goodness of his heart so thank you um we're not going to release his name obviously yet but we will or should we what do you think scott uh i mean we can and if something happens afterwards we could just say it fell through but i mean if if we release it now then that gives us the next couple episodes to kind of hype up him coming on generate a little bit more buzz hopefully a little bit more people will listen Okay, so then we will um, we will release his name. So it, we have booked or agreed to have him on uh, for 30 minutes. And that's Justin Bourne. Uh, 
I believe his dad's a Hockey Hall of Famer, if not on the Islanders teams in the 80s when they won three, four in a row. Um, Bobby Bourne is his dad. Uh, he's on Real Kipper and Bourne. If you're in Ontario and you listen to Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet from three to five, or, uh, just recently nine to ten, and now they're done for the season. Um, great guy. One of my most, uh, I guess, favorite uh, analysts slash broadcasters slash podcasters. Um, so, yeah, he's going to come on and give us his uh, take on the Leafs offseason, where they should go, how maybe – uh, his expectations for them this summer or this season, sorry. So that's very cool. Again, Justin Bourne, he was a hockey player himself uh, and he is writing a book. So we'll be talking a little bit about his book. So yeah, stay tuned for that because that's big news. Uh, a little bit more uh, of news here. Sorry that uh, it's kind of annoying. Probably just hear me talk, but uh, we have a new podcast plan. So the new podcast plan is going to be as followed. This is going to be our preseason um, episodes. So all the way to episode 23, I believe. Um, that might be the end of the Jersey, the Jersey take. We haven't, we haven't really discussed that further, but starting on August 25th, when Justin Bourne comes on, that's going to be episode one of season one. So we'll have the precursor season, uh, the preseason season, uh, where we draw the, like we try to draw you guys in, we try to get um, everyone interested um, and generate some views and some listens. Then we will do season one, and we'll run that basically from there all the way to probably the second week of July after free agency. Then we will do as other podcasts do and take from July to preseason off. Um, we plan on doing this podcast for years, so. Hopefully everything kind of stays together and we as a team stay together and can, can do it. Uh, so, yeah. That's... Yeah. And uh, it was like, obviously, if, if you're a consistent listener, we don't know how many consistent listeners we have. We know we have numbers coming in each week, but it doesn't tell 50, us. 54 uh, consistent listeners every week. And then we have about, uh, I think, 100 and something estimated. Every yeah. Week. Okay, but I don't know like who, which ones they are, who they are. So just to, to, to ha- talk a little bit uh, to take the pressure off Spencer here because he's been talking for a couple minutes. Uh, this was an idea because we noticed this past episode, which we thought would have been relatively bigger in views because it was about free agency, was kind of lacking. And then Spencer pointed out that other podcasts also go off kind of for a summer break, like a TV show or like a... Um, yeah, like a TV show throughout the season. They start in September, October. They end in April, May. Then they have the summer off to film the new season, whatever. So we figured that if, if the next episodes aren't going to do as well, uh, which we appreciate the people listening who are cons- consistently listening, sorry. But if we're not going to generate uh, as big a numbers or as, as consistent numbers as we were before, which in our case is, is big numbers, even if it's 300. So we figured that we would start with the season seasonal format as opposed to doing every week or every other week, which we had originally planned to, just based on the fact that the summer months may not generate as much viewers. Um, and the other plan that we had was was going to be talking about baseball. And me and Scott know baseball. We are fairly big baseball fans. Uh, Kyle, the other co-host that's not with us tonight, if you're new to the podcast, um, he's playing baseball for himself, so he's not on, and he watches every Jays game. 
Yeah. So it would have been nice to have him out on every week to talk about it. But we're just going to, going forward, we're just going to, like, throughout this offseason, obviously, continue. But next offseason, we're going to end it, take a little bit of time. And that time, maybe set up some extra uh, guest stars and stuff. I don't know. Maybe we'll have some guest stars on throughout the season. But, yeah, it was kind of just a collective. Once we once we found out that Kyle couldn't make it, it, it just kind of fit. Like, I was thinking about it because that's what other podcasts have done. But then once Kyle said he couldn't make it because baseball, it's like maybe next summer we should actually take some time. So the next couple of weeks will probably be sporadic of potentially just me and Scott. Maybe Kyle can fit. He will be here for the Justin Bourne episode, though, 100%. Yeah, and we still have our t- or, uh, TikTok, uh, Twitter, and potentially Instagram for while we're off, we'll uh, keep track of what's happening and post it to those social media platforms so that our consistent listeners, if you do come to us for news or just for a laugh or you enjoy listening to us and you like expect us or, or want us to start sharing more news based on our social medias, we will start doing that in the off months of between the seasons one and two for next summer. Yeah. And, um, also, just before we get into the nitty-gritty here, um, I, I do apologize for, like, I I man most of the Twitter page. Uh, Scott does, like, use it, um, but it's just hooked up on my phone. I don't know if it's hooked up on Scott's phone. Like, I, I don't know if he keeps it logged in. But no. uh, this past week, I was on, like, a vacation week from work, uh, basically from the podcast, from writing everything. So I tried to keep up with what was happening. Um but if I miss anything or if we weren't super active on the Twitter page, it's because we, all three of us, I don't know if Kyle actually stepped away from work, but all three of us took some personal time to screw around and do whatever we felt that we wanted to do. So going forward this offseason with PTOs, with preseason, with all the different hype um, and plans and episodes, we will be getting it out there on Twitter uh, regularly. And potentially this season, we're, we're, we're thinking about starting up a TikTok for the actual season. Um, yeah, so I think that covers everything for news and notes that uh, we kind of wanted to talk about. What do you think, Scott? Uh, well, yeah, and specifically because it was the week off, we would, no one really knew. We couldn't mention it during the pod- podcast last week because we didn't have one. So we figured we'd just let everybody know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, if any more news comes out, I'm pretty sure we'll just share it through the Twitter. Yeah, we'll we'll probably start every episode uh, that we talk about okay. with uh, yeah with a little bit of um, uh, housekeeping notes if there is any. Yeah, just to keep everyone kind of informed. Well, and, uh, if it's big stuff, if it's minor stuff, we don't really yeah. we could just do that through the Twitter. Account, no, ex- but, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. like any bigger like guest booking, stars or yeah, booking Justin Bourne and switching the the format is. It's big news, so it's still going to be once a week consistently. We will be taking a except for playoffs. Yeah, we'll do playoffs. Will be, yeah, and uh, Christmas time, uh, we're kind of taking. I, I believe this is what we agreed on. We we could change it, but I think that we agreed on basically taking uh, the last episode before Christmas, and then the la- the the basically the week of Christmas, and then come back after New Year's. So it might be two weeks. It might be one week. I don't know. We it's yeah, one week in between those two, but. Similar uh, to, to like a a school Christmas vacation, yeah. if if they I don't know uh, other places around the world because I know we have a lot of listeners, even just one off listeners from other countries. Yeah, but here in Canada we get two weeks for Christmas. We get just off or a little over two weeks, just off before Christmas, and then just off, uh, go back after New Year's. 
and, and so we'll kind of be similar to that format. And hockey doesn't get that, obviously. They just get a couple of days off, but we probably will be taking some time to spend with our families and friends. And um, Kyle, I don't know exactly what his family dynamic is, so he might have numerous family uh, gatherings that he goes to. So uh, just to kind of give everyone, and if there is any bigger news, then that's what we'll be covering it on the social media accounts. Um, and then lastly, just want to wrap this up by saying last week or two weeks ago, we did introduce our website because we are now no longer a partnership with inside the rink. We're by ourselves. So we have our own website. I'll put the link in the, uh, in the Twitter feed uh, to get that generated. So we can start getting, we have been doing fairly well. Like the first episode or the first uh, post that I put out, we almost had a thousand. And then since then we've had, I believe just around 900 to a thousand views each, which is, is super good for, in my opinion, I mean, we're not a professional website, obviously. I just created this on Wix with Scott's approval after I did each segment and Kyle's approval at the end, and we just posted it. So to get uh, like 900 almost uh, average posts, and, and people are spending like four minutes on the website, which is nuts to me that we just threw this thing together to try and get our own focus out there, and, and it seemed to catch on a little bit. So uh, as mentioned at the start of the pod, uh, we are episode 21, I hope. If you guys listened from the start, you 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 can skip if you want. You can skip to like I don't know seven, eight, ten minutes in uh, to try and try and skip past all the the talking. But we are on episode twenty one, so we'll start with jersey number twenty one, and Scott will take it away. Yeah, just real quick though. I mean, if you want to skip it, sure, but it's it's kind of important news that we just presented there. So yeah, if you are you, if you, you are you a regular listener. Listen. Listen, if you just want to see what our podcast is about, you probably won't even catch this part because when I listen to new podcasts, I just skip ahead to like 10 minutes in to see if it's good or whatever. But yeah, if, if either way, skip it or not skip it. If you're a regular listener, please listen to the full thing. All right. And with that said, if you've skipped ahead, we got jersey number, jersey number 21. For me this week is Robert Reichel. Uh, he played three seasons with the Leafs in the, some people would call it early 2000s. Uh, or mid 2000s, like 2004 or five, six ish, uh, where he had a high of 51 points and 20 goals. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call him a role player, but he wasn't a star on the team. He was long past that when he was with Calgary and LA, I believe. So he was, I'd call him a role player. He was like a depth guy, second, third line who, who could produce, but wasn't necessarily required to produce because at the time they had other guys who were doing that with Sundin. Um. Yeah, like I think he's a wouldn't call him an all-time great, but he he's he's pretty sure he, in my opinion, he should be a Hall of Famer. He had a pretty solid career, and uh, only only uh, came in and produced with the Leafs to to solidify that for me. Um. Also, his son plays for the Winnipeg Jets farm team. Yeah, Christian. Christian yeah. I thought uh, there was another Reichel. Oh, Lu- Lucas Reichel, who plays for Chicago's farm team, I believe. Oh, he's yeah. their cousins. I and Kirby, cousins. but he's not related to them. Yeah, but he is related to people in the classics. So that's kind yeah. of interesting. Um, mine is just JVR. Doesn't really need much talking about. Uh, recently, a member of the Leafs, like four years ago. Now it's kind of older. and I mean, he still produces, but kind of one of those guys that's probably just going to be ch- traded to a contender and half his contract is going to be eaten and he's probably going to be fine as well in the league soon should mention though him justin hall and mitch marner have spent uh, a ton of time together this offseason 
Uh, so, I mean, in an ideal world, it would be cool if Toronto could get Philly to retain, get like Arizona to retain, and then take on because he makes like seven, they'd be taking on like two and a half million dollars. And I think that would be a decent top nine forward for a playoff push, uh, but yeah. probably won't happen. Um, yeah, so that's it for me. Obviously, uh, Kyle isn't here, so we're going to move on to the classics. Yeah, so this week for classics and notables, uh, we have Bobby Bond, Boris Salming, Warren Reichel, no relation to uh, Robert or Christian or Lucas, but is the father of Kirby Reichel, uh, Mark Osborne, and Kirk Muller. And like we've said in previous episodes, there's going to start be uh, there's going to start being a lot more names listed for classic notables. So if you have interest in looking up any of those players, then that we just listed, do that uh, after you finish listening to the podcast, or when you have free time. And uh, as I mentioned before, uh, the jersey number segment potentially could end um, when we start season one, because then we'd have to go back through. Um, oh, we could still do it. We could just continue with jersey number twenty-three, but it'll just be episode one of season one. Yeah, that's 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 or valid. Twenty-four uh, or whatever. Yeah. So, barring any changes, it could say it could not say, but either way, we'll move on. Um. So we have a couple signings to announce. Uh, obviously, most people will already know because it's been two weeks, um, but. Uh, I'll take the first one off the list. Pierre Engvall signs for 2.25. And I believe I saw a post on Instagram where he, his agent um, said that he thinks that, or Pierre Engvall thinks that he can score at least 20 goals. So I don't know how many I last year. I think he had 11. So nine more. Uh, he'll probably play a little bit more consistently because McKay has gone. Uh, but that leads us to the next part of the of the updates. So Scott will take this one and then we'll kind of discuss where we think these players will fit. If not together. Yeah. So this came a little bit after the other hall of players Toronto signed on the opening of free agency with Abu Abe Kubel and, and Godet and, and the other guys, but Toronto signed Cali Yarncroke to a, uh, what was it? Three year, I think $2.1 million contract. Uh, it was four years, four years. Four years, two point one million dollars. Uh, add add some needed uh, top nine stability for the team, who can come in and replace a Mikheyev or a potentially Kerfoot if he gets moved. Kasha that, too. Yeah, Kasha in that middle six kind of role. And um, like every other player that Kyle Dubas has brought in the last three years, has some kind of connection. I believe Kyle Dubas was his agent. Um, years ago, and I I also heard a um, or I guess I saw it technically, but I I saw that there could have been a chance that he could have received um, excuse me a bit more on the open market, and that is why um, he received the four years to kind of space that contract out to what he could have gotten, and people said it's because he had a relationship with Kyle Dubas. Um, interestingly enough, I wrote an article just before we took a break. And I said that this player, Yarncroke, Kyle Yarncroke, I liked him. I thought that Toronto should have got him at the deadline. They didn't. He went to Calgary, but now he's come to Toronto. Um, but I thought that Kyle Yarncroke, among a couple others, including Victor Mete, who signed on the Thursday, the 14th, I believe, July 14th, 
Um, and I, I, I thought that those two would be good fits for depth, and it turned out that they signed them both, so I guess I'm an insider. Uh, but yeah, Victor Mete has signed. He's 24 years old, I believe. Uh, right side. Funny thing about him signing, everyone was saying AHL depth. I believe he's only played seven games in the AHL. I think he's played 200 or 150 plus games in the in the NHL at the NHL level. 236. And he he's a unique situation because, um, I don't know how many people listen to, listen to this podcast will remember, but when Luke Shen was drafted by the Leafs, a lot of people thought that they developed him too early. The coach wanted Luke Shen on the team. He wanted him to make his uh, an instant impact, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mark Bergevin, when he drafted uh, Victor Mete in Montreal, or whoever the GM was, I believe it was Mark Bergevin, he wanted him to go back to junior and then develop. It was Claude Julien who wanted Victor Mete on the team, which subsequently kind of ruined his development a little bit. So you never know what you're getting out of a player like this. What was it, 850000 900000 Like that's a that's a steal if he can put up 30 points. The other interesting thing about it is they still need to move out some money. So if they move out Justin Hall, Victor Mete can slot in as the seventh guy, sixth guy, depending on the, the lineup and how it shakes down. He also has a, uh, a close connection to Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner actually went to his wedding this offseason. So kind of interesting there. They play together in London. I think it's a decent sign, to be honest, because if, if he can put up 30 points and rejuvenize himself in his career, you never know. Like Toronto could sign up for two more years next year at $2 million, and he could be a, an actual sweet deal. Um, he likes this division, though, that's for sure. Montreal, yeah. then he got claimed off waivers by Ottawa, and now he's signed with Toronto. So, But there was another signing, and I'll let Scott handle that one. Uh, just just real quick, just a refresher. What day was free agency this year? Uh, the 13th. 13th, okay, yeah. And I believe uh, he signed on the, the, these two signed on the 14th. Yeah, yeah, I just, I couldn't remember if we did the same sound off on the free agency day or not. Yeah, we did. Okay. Uh, so the next signing signed, almost announced, I think, at the same time as Mete, if not a couple minutes later, uh, was defenseman Jordy Ben. Uh, a, from what I know about him, he's rough, rugged, solid, defensive defenseman who can hit uh, kind of what people are cl- um, clamoring for Toronto to get on defense, that toughness that for years people have saying the Leafs need. Uh, they've now added a, a piece of it with uh, Jordy Ben. Another player that a lot of people said will be AHL depth. I think, I think, uh, yeah. I think, Kyle, I think he's got something up his sleeve though. Well, barring injury though, they could be bottom, bottom pair. Yeah, but if, I, I just if think Muzzin that, doesn't get moved, then he gets hurt again, and you can have Mete or Ben move and, in, or if Giordano or if Justin Hall gets sat for a couple of games if they don't move him. But right now they've got what eight, nine NHL defensemen. Uh, I think nine. Yeah, like something's got oh, one. They're under cap or they're over cap technically at the start of the season they would be, and Rasmus Sand- Sandine still needs to sign. So. My the the idea that I would have is obviously some of these players will be moved, and also it should be mentioned that there is still waivers at the start of the year. So if Toronto doesn't want Victor Mete on their opening night roster and they need the roster space and they put him on waivers, he could get claimed. So like there is still move uh, juggle uh, play areas 
room to juggle, I guess I should say. Um, but it it, it kind of makes me think with, with how they're lining things up. Like, I don't see Jordy Ben getting claimed off waivers. He could go down the AHL, but also he could be the replacement for Labushkin to add that stability every other night or every couple nights. But I, I you got to think that one of these guys are getting moved, no? Um, well, yeah, I mean, someone, just based on the fact that they are over the cap, even if they sent Mete and Ben down, I'm pretty sure they would still be over the cap. So someone has to move to clear up a bit of cap space. I don't think that they could use their, uh, what's his name, Freedom. I don't think uh, he, he Freedom, yeah. yeah, I don't think he can use his quote-unquote magic to make this one work. Uh, you'd ha- you have to move someone because they're, they're, they're what, like a little under $2 million or something over the cap? Yeah, I think it's like 1.4 or something like that. But they have, I mean, you, you have to be, I think you have to be, you sorry, you can be 10% under or over the cap, I believe, during the offseason. And then once you hit the cap-compliant yeah. date, which is, I think, the end of the preseason, yeah. um, you have to be, obviously, compliant. So that, that which could Which cuts and stuff could happen. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. That could mean a waiver claim of Victor Mete, a waiver claim of <clears throat> Goddad. Um, like, there could be a couple different uh, situations here. But I, I think the most interesting situation to me is, I think it's Adam Boonquist or whatever his last name is, Boonquist. Uh, I think he plays for Columbus or Chicago or something like oh. that. He, I think it's, I forget, I, I don't even remember his last name. I think it's Boonquist. But he signs 2.25 for, for three years or two years. And apparently that's what Rasmus Sandin is using as his, his comparable. Like, he's tired of being compared to Timothy Lilligram, which is, Toronto, which is Toronto's go-to, is like you two are two peas in a pod, which, yeah, I mean, obviously not evident. Um, but, yeah, I, I heard today that there, there's a chance that he's, he, that's what he's asking for is two years, 2.5. Now, in a perfect world, Toronto, I would like Toronto to sign up. But if they did trade them, they could actually bring in potentially another another prospect or two prospects or potentially another pick because he was a first rounder and, and he has that potential. So there could be a chance that they could get like a second, I don't know, a second or a prospect, potentially a roster player if they need. I wouldn't necessarily just rule out a, chance, a world that they sign him. I think that there could be a chance that he sits or that he gets gets traded. And I mean... If Toronto did trade him, I don't know what teams would take a stab on him. Obviously, because he's Swedish, I go instantly to Detroit because they have a historical background of Swedish players, and, and so is Vancouver. But even if it's Pittsburgh, like I still think that Toronto could get a decent prospect, potentially, uh, or a potential roster player, and then a pick. Like, I, I love Ross and Sandy, but if he's asking for 2.25 and Toronto can't afford it, like, what do you do? Well, I mean, Technically, they can't afford it. They just have to move someone in order to get the money. Yeah, but I... I and I me, mean, personally, I... given Rasmus, Rasmus, Rasmus Sandin the chance, um, I'd rather them do that than have uh, either Justin Hall or Jake Muzzin on the team again this year. To me, trading Jake Muzzin solves all the issues. He's got well, yeah, just under I, $7 million, yeah. and that clears up the cap. It, I thought it was just under bring... six. Is it just under six? I thought it was six eight. I thought I thought, I thought it was five eight. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of TJ Brody at six. I don't even know if TJ Brody's at six. But uh, regardless, even if it is six, it still clears up the. Yeah, Jake Muzzin is five point six. Five point six. Um, 
it still it still clears up though the the issue with cap like you're putting them at now 1.4 off of that even with roughly four million dollars so if you sign Rasmus Sandy to 2.2 or 2.25 whatever you're leaving 1.8 1.5 in cap space yeah somewhere on there like I still think Rasmus Sandy or sorry trading Jake Muzzin is the option or is to me is the is the leading option but on top of that if you trade Justin Hall in, included in that like not together but separately you could recoup some draft picks and then that's almost eight million dollars that you're saving so then you leave yourself a little bit more cap cap space which you could have then signed someone i guess a little bit um i don't even want to i don't even want to disrespect kubel or godet but a little bit more skilled like a little bit uh i guess a higher tier than even cali Yarncrow. i also did hear sorry just a secondary thought that came to me on the last episode of 32 thoughts Elliot Friedman did say that Zach Ashton Reese was Toronto's main focus. Like they, they thought Zach Ashton Reese, I guess, over Cabell. But I don't know. I don't know. He didn't say the the breakdown. He just said that Toronto was very interested in, in Zach Ashton Reese as well as Cabell because they were, um, like, uh, uh, four checkers, high intensity guys. But I guess because the price was right with with Abel Cabell or, um. Maybe a Stanley Cup. I, I don't think that really matters to, to Kyle Dubas. But I guess that yeah, they they were. I guess Kyle was right on that one. Kyle said that that was the guy that he heard that they were in on yeah. long before long before free agency started. So I don't know where he got that information, but maybe Kyle's the insider here. But but the forward depth. What, what do you what do you think on that? Is it shaken up? Do you think to be decent or like I, I, I mean, think I think Kerfoot's got to stay now. I think that similarly to last year, which you could go back to last year's offseason as a prime example of, of Leafs fans overreacting, because when it was announced, uh, the Michael Bunting and the David Camp editions, uh, people were freaking out saying, who are these bums? Bring in skill, bring in power, bring in toughness, bring in points because we need them because this team's going to suck this year. And then a couple days a couple days later or two days later, they Literally like did that, the, three days later. They did the um, Yarn uh, what's his name? No, no, last year. Oh, they did, so, um, uh, Richie and Kasha. Yeah, Brett Richie and everybody's like, yeah, this is exactly what we need. He can potentially score. He can, He's a big, rugged guy who can help the team. And then when the season started and David, or David Richie, uh, Nick Richie sucked and Michael Bunting and, and David Camp quickly became fan favorites. So this offseason, I think it's, it's similar in, in ways is that fans with the Abe Kubel and the Adam Gaudet signing, which uh, Adam Gaudet may not play on the team. He may be the extra forward. He may be sent down uh, and then called up when needed, whatever. But fans are freaking out saying, we lost Mikheyev, we lost Kasha. You need to replace them. You need to do this. You need to do that. When last year the, the depth signings fit, uh, fit in with the right positions on the team, worked out for them. Like no one expected Michael Bunting to go on and get 60 points. But playing on a line with Matthews and Marner, he did. So Abe Kubel and Adam Gaudet may not be the most favorable signings, uh, but you never know. Put in a role where they, they could thrive on a line with whoever, then they could put up point, more points than they have in the past couple of years. 
And then people are obviously going to say, yeah, but they were on line with Matthews and Marner, but Nick Ritchie was on the line to start the year, and he left the Leafs with like two points when they traded him. So obviously bunting in the role he was put in thrived, not just because he played with Matthews and Marner. So if you if you can get Abe Kubel and Gaudet in those roles, if you use them, then I think that it'll be a repeat of last year where the fans are freaking out for no reason because the, the players are going to be used in roles where they could they could produce or they could impact the game. But going back to your original question, uh, is the forward group uh, like a solid forward group? I don't think after saying that. I do like the additions of Abe Kubel and Adam Gaudet because – like I mentioned, I think in the last episode, people consider them good bomb six guys for the other teams they played for. But then when they came to Toronto, everybody's like, these guys suck. We don't need them in our bomb six. So given the roles that they're going to be playing, I think they will do well. But I do still think we need another top six forward. And uh, I think it's time we need to replace Wayne Simmons. So potentially adding another fourth line bomb six guy to to replace him is, is my fan wish list uh, for what Toronto should finish with the barring like not including the trades that I want them to make but I think that uh, they do need to add another top six guy you could add Kerfoot into that role but I think they should move Kerfoot and then another guy to replace Wayne Simmons because I think Wayne Simmons is is kind of run his course in Toronto yeah I think that Wayne Simmons will be put on waivers at the start of the year um that's 1.5, I believe, in cap that they could save. Yeah, uh, yeah 1.5. But I, I've been saying trade Kerfoot for two years now. And I like Kerfoot. Me too. Like if, if they keep him, good. But the way they, the cap's shaking up and how they still need to re-sign Sandine and the, they, they, they may need to want, or they may want to add other players that they can't afford, then I think that moving Kerfoot and then Hall and Muzzin on defenses are the options that they need to look at. I agree. However, I will say this. I've wanted to move Kerfoot for two years now. And it wasn't until the other day when I really thought about it. He has, like, I think he had 51 points this year. And he's he's now going in as a rental player this season for Toronto because he's uh, in a contract year. Typically, players like Kerfoot in contract years try insanely harder than what they have because it's it's money it's the money season and i want them to cash in on kerfoot because i don't want them to walk away for free but if by chance they don't slash can't add another top six forward i think that there could be a chance that your uh kelly arncrook plays on that second line robertson plays on the third line with kerfoot and whomever and i i i just if they're not going to bring in anyone else, I think that he's he's what you have. Like you have to you have to keep him. I, I I can't see unless they're bringing up someone from the minors or they can pull a PTO. I guess if you trade him, there's cap space there. But like I closer to the start of the season, if if they they I think by September it should be like almost a given that they're keeping him. Unless I guess barring changes, a trade where they can send him out and bring in another um, player with a little bit lesser of a cap. I just, for 50 points, I just think like that 50 points will be kind of hard to replace a, a little bit. Well, if you think about it. True. But, and, and like he could not put up 50 points again this year. 
not saying he won't, but like he could have a decrease. I think I don't think he as a leaf he's put up fifty points. I think that was the. First I think time. that was a career high. Yeah, so obviously he had a good season, and that was being shuffled up and down, second, third uh, lines. But I think with the addition of Yarncroke, who I think will play on the third line with David Camp and Pierre Engvall, I don't see Kerfoot being uh, a consistent asset on that second line playing with Nylander and Tavares. And I feel like they, they, they should look to a trade. Yeah, uh, I, And you, you could even bring in his replacement in the trade. Yeah, like that, if you give up, that's a, what I think is the best option to do. Yeah, if you give up like a trade involving Jake Muzzin and Alex Kerfoot, then you could get a second line forward and picks or whatever back. Then there's your replacement for Kerfoot. Sandine can be signed to replace Muzzin. You could keep Hall uh, as a last line guy with or pairing guy with Sandine, and then you have your extras in Mete Ben. But I I don't know. Like I feel like at this point they're going to keep him, and I. I have a feeling at this point that they're they're not going to make as many trades as everybody expects them to make. I feel like they're going to somehow swindle and 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 make everything work out in the cap and yeah. keeping Muzzin, um, Muzzin Hall and Kerfoot. Somehow, I don't know how they're going to do it. Well, maybe it, they do, maybe they don't sign work. Sandine. It could work even if they sign Sandine because if they, if they let say Jamie Ben and Mete go down and then they also send down. Um, Wayne Simmons because he counts towards the cap obviously right now that's one point five that's like what one point six but then the you have to call two. someone up call someone up to 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 fill in the last line with Wayne Simmons well Robertson there's Kyle Clifford okay so if they're one point four over now yeah and you send down, down Mete one point five and, and one point and one point six for Jimmy Ben and Mete that's, that's two point what two point one three three oh yeah well, three point one sorry. No, it's three. Three point one, and then yeah, yeah. So and then the nine hundred thousand or whatever for Mete, right? No, no, no. I'm saying Mete and Jimmy Ben together make one point six. Yeah, and then Wayne Simmons at one point five. Yeah. Yeah. So I was adding them all together. Oh, okay, okay. Three point one plus whatever Mete's contract is, so around four million. And then you call up Robertson, who makes what nine hundred thousand. No, but why? Why are you adding? Why are you adding Mete twice? You're not. If one point yeah. five and one point six is three point one, yeah, but one one point six. What I'm saying is one point six is Jamie Ben and or yeah, J- Jordy Ben and Victor Mete together. Oh, and I thought Wayne you Simmons. Yeah, okay. I thought when you, you just said Jordy Ben, you said one point six for Jordy. No, ben. I'm, I said Mete and Ben together every time. Hmm. Okay, so and three point one. Yeah, and then and if Sandine gets the two point whatever, and then plus the nine hundred thousand you're calling up, if you call up Robertson, you're still going to be over the cap. Well, I, I guess technically, yeah, but there's like they could sign um, Rasmus Sandy for one point five, like that two point two five is just what he's asked, what he's projected to get because of the other defenseman that he's he's comparing himself to. But in in a perfect world, it could be done if they can, even if they don't get Rasmus Sandy done yet, they could still do it. And yeah. also another another uh, point to, I think is Cali Yarncroke can play center, so if they did trade uh, Alex Kerfoot. Then I could see. Um, this is what I would do personally. I would trade Muzzin Hall and Kerfoot, and I would try to bring in Sonny Milano on the second line, or even the third line, and then move Cali Yarncroke over. Or um, actually, yeah, I would. I would probably put Cali Yarncroke on a line with Camp and Ingball, sign Sonny Milano. 
actually you don't even need Sonny Milano, but I, I like I think you'd be good on the team. And then your last line could be Robertson, um, Goddet, and uh, Kubel. I don't think that'd be necessarily bad. And then you yeah. could also figure out a way to move Robertson up, Calyarn Crook over, um, Camp down to the center of the on the fourth line. Like there is op- op- opportunities, and also I think right now uh, Kyle Clifford counts towards the cap too, because he ended the team on the on the NHL team, or ended the year on the NHL team. Yeah. Like I, I'm just not sure. Like I have a feeling, basically, what you're saying is going to be true. Is it's not going to be as it's going to be very depressing, <laughs> depressing because everyone's talking about how Toronto needs to make a move. And well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say depressing. Yeah, I, feel I just like... want, I just want trade. I just, I just can't have. I, I personally can't have the same seven defensemen come back. Well, like, okay. Well, just two things, real quick. One is Leafs fans are funny like that. Not this isn't you. This is like just from what I've read on Twitter, what I've heard people say and stuff, is that they they going into the off season when they found out Kasha might be gone, McCabe might be gone, uh, Spencer was retiring. Uh, who else left on forward? That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you need to keep them. We need to keep the like the the group together because like we were good last year. We took the Stanley Cup champs in Game Seven, and then they left. And they replaced them with got, uh, like other players, and everybody's saying like, oh, "This team sucks." Uh, like the players you replaced them with sucked. When Kasha left, and then people found out that trying to get in the same contract, people were ripping on Kasha. People were ripping on McCann for leaving. So I just thought it was funny that one second they're like, "We need to keep these guys because they're they're solid contributors to the team," and then when they leave, and then they they, they just start ripping them. And then they bring in the new guys and they start ripping them until, similar to last year, they become fan favorites potentially and then they have nothing bad to say about them until they leave. So I just thought that was a funny uh, contradiction. And two is, that, like the, the, the defense last year wasn't terrible. Yeah, but like, besides like, Giordano, we've run back the same defensive core every, almost every year. Yeah, but, okay, but like the, the way we lost games in the playoffs, the elimination games... It wasn't because we, like, there was mistakes, yeah. Travis Dermott made a mistake defensively, I guess. But, like, we weren't making massive defensive blunders, and they, they, they were capitalizing on them, capitalizing on them. Like, there was just stupid, especially this year, there wasn't really any mistake in the elimination game that I could even think of that cost them the game. It was just, I mean, you could argue the refs in that one play, the Justin Hall penalty, but... The yeah, Tampa I'm... just played better than us. So, like, to run back the same seven after the year we had last year and the playoffs that they played where even the last three games, Justin Hall played great, I wouldn't say that's a that's a downgrade or a detriment to the team because they, they did play well last year. Yeah, I just think, like, at this point, it's like, regardless of how they played in the playoffs or the defensive mishaps or lack thereof, I just think it's it's time. Like, you've ran back the same... Like, everyone's always focusing on the forward group. Oh, you can't run back the same four. Like, Riley, Nylander, or sorry, uh, Tavares, Nylander, uh, Matthews, and Marner. I think it's time that you change the defense. Bring in an actual right-hand defenseman who can play with Morgan Riley. Let Sandina Lilligren, I mean, Lilligren on that line with Giordano is nice. I think it, it develops him nicely. But, like, let Sandine actually take some reins. Let him run the second power play unit. Let him play second-line minutes. Let him play with TJ Brody. Get rid of Jake Muzzin. The guy's a Band-Aid now. Like, oh, everyone's so in love with him. I don't understand why anymore. 
when he first came, yeah. The first playoff series, he got injured. Last year, he played um, great, I think, against Montreal in the bubble. Like, I thought he was one of their best defensemen. And then this year, it's just been like a collection of injuries and concussions and and just you forget he's even on the team. For almost $6 million, time to go. Justin Hall, yeah, he played decent in the last three games. Don't expect that from him. See ya. Like, I think that it's it could be time that maybe we need to, like, in my personal opinion, if you revamp this team, you could have afforded to try and bring in John Klinberg. Like, I think John Klinberg on the top line with Morgan Riley and then Sandine, it doesn't even need to be John Klinberg. That was just an example. Like, it could have been Josh Manson. It could have been this person. It could have been that person. But, like, at this time, like, if I'm Kyle Dubas in my last year, I wouldn't try and run back the same defensive core especially with the gold hunting you brought in like Sam Solnoff, I think that he's going to have a, a decent year uh, above average year, a good year, I guess you could say Matt Murray. I hope that he does. I don't, I don't necessarily see it, but like, I think the focus necessarily just isn't on the Ford group. I think people need to take their focus off and maybe wonder about Morgan Riley and, and how he plays night in and night out and, and Jake Muzzin, how he doesn't play night in and night out. And, you know, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just, Maybe I'm just one of those least fans that you're talking about. And maybe I want to trade, but I, I just think it, it, it should happen. Yeah, I didn't say that they shouldn't happen. Like, I want them to move Muzzin and Hall, too. But if they don't, then you can't really complain because the last year the defense played well. Like, it's not like they're going from the worst defensive team in the league and then running it back and having the same worst defensive team in the league. Plus the, the, the two goalies they added, which may not do as well as Campbell did last year. Like, they were still a good defensive team last year with the seven. And then, they like, obviously, Giordano came in late. But, like, they, they still played well defensively, even with the guys that we don't actually want on the team. So, if they do run those seven guys back, like, it, it may not be the, the, the most ideal situation because we want them to move Muzzin and Hall. But you can't really complain when, like, Riley's a good defenseman, Bro's a good defenseman. When Muzzin's playing healthy, he's a good defenseman. Hall can be good at times. Sandy and Lilligren are good, have the potential to be better. And yeah, then Giordano's I mean. solid. It's like they have the potential to be better, but are they actually going to be given that chance? Probably not. Well, Lilligren was given the chance last year. Yeah, but on the last line, like I understand, like the last line, okay, he's still got development, but like I, I personally think you can complain. Like I, I, I truly do. Like what's, what's going to change this year? The defense wasn't that good. It wasn't that bad. Like it was probably a little bit better. I still think they should have kept Labushkin. Like there's still like I just think that there's maybe I'm nitpicking, but I still think that there's changes to be made to the defensive core. Just actually a couple of them to just kind of send shock. Like every year it's the same thing. After they get beyond on the playoffs, oh, we're gonna do better next year, we're gonna come back bigger, better, stronger, whatever. It doesn't happen. Only the forward group does. I think Jack Campbell was 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 like everyone says, like oh, Jack Campbell is so good. I don't, I don't think so. Like well, no, but the first part of the season, yeah, yeah. Like that, Toronto had below average goaltending for the last stretch of the season there. But they do like barring playoff success, which you could argue is almost fluky in and of itself. Because yeah, I'm I'm not even I'm just to interrupt. I'm not even focusing the defensive group on last year's playoff. No, no, I, I, I that wasn't good. I wasn't talking about like you said they're going to come back better bigger, better, stronger, whatever. Barring playoffs because they've been beaten out in the first round the last six years or whatever. 
which again you could argue almost self it's fluky because there's been teams who were the eight seed in previous years who like look at Montreal. They got hot at the right time and made all of this in the cup final, beating Toronto, who was the best team in the division. So like to to say that the, the, the playoff success, whatever, take that out of the equation, every year, like the last couple of years, the Toronto's only had better and better seasons. Like last year they set records for most points yeah. by a Leafs team in a season. I so know. they are technically coming back better and stronger. Yeah, I know. I'm not I'm not disputing that they are. It's just annoying. Like in my and in my opinion, it's just like sit sit down and think about it. Like the four group might have taken a hit this year. The four group I thought was the best aspect of the team last year. But and then but did, and then did they though? What? Did they take did a they, step back? Did they take a hit? Like Kasha I mean, Kasha had what, twenty points and McKay yeah, had but, thirty? But you're just like I think I think the thing is like as a grand thing, not just you, but everyone just bases it just solely on points. Like yeah, no, points okay. is important, but like yeah, McKay but, took a lot of a lot of stress off even uh, Tavares and Nylander last year when he got how, promoted up. How do you know Cal Yarncroak won't do that uh, this year? I'm not saying that he won't, and I'm a big fan of Cal Yarncroak. That's not what I'm saying. Like I, I'm not I'm not saying that anyone else is wrong. I'm just simply stating that I think the four group potentially took a hit because you lost some key pieces that have been there part of the core for the last three, four years and in Mikheyev. But then also on the other side of it, like the only thing that hasn't changed consistently is the de- defense. You bring in one defenseman at the deadline and Giordano, you brought in Labushkin because you messed up on Nick, uh, Nick Richards or Nick. Uh, what's his name? Richie. Nick Richie. But then like, I don't know. I just think like, I want Muzzin to be traded because the cap, but I also want Muzzin to be traded because, like, I don't I don't see how he has a spot anymore. Like he's decent, he's an everyday defenseman, but he one one block shot and he's off. Like he's off the ice for what ten days? Was that five games, four games, potentially sure. three? Like I don't know. I just think like the the reason why Rat and I think this is what triggers me the most about this whole situation. Your your number one defenseman is Morgan Riley. You drafted him. You you, um, you developed him. You let him. You let him run with it. You've got another first round talent in the top ten. I think Rasmus Sandy was what eight, uh, eighth overall. Like you got him. He wants to play. It's public. It, it's public knowledge that he's he's pissed off about the lack of of potential playing time and his spot on the team. I understand last playoff. Like I get it. He he came back after a long time. He he may have actually been the blender that could have cost him a series. He, I get it. He was 29th overall. Rasmus Sandin? Yeah. Oh, okay. Didn't In know 2018. that. 2018. Okay, so I guess this point kind of kind of changes, but still 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 stays a little bit because you you should have you should be giving him the reins a little bit. I I think you should. And what better way to trade Jake Muzzin and let him play second line minutes? If you play with, if he plays with TJ Brody, he doesn't want to play on the right side. TJ Brody can, and he's good at it. So you you could you could maybe I'm wrong, but you could have brought back Labushkin or brought in a right hand defenseman to play with Morgan Riley, preferably Labushkin because he played well with him, and he's the fan favorite. And then you could have allowed Sandine to play second line minutes going forward. I don't think that's going to be bad. The issue I think that everyone thinks about Toronto's defense is that's where that's where to me Kyle Dubas is like, oh, we'll bring in some big bodies. Jake Muslin's decently big. Justin Hall's a big guy for for defense and hockey. TJ Brody can play physical. Uh, Giordano can play physical. Now this year, 
Lilligren can play physical or will play physical. You know who? You know who's the most physical defenseman on the Leafs? Uh, Rasmus Sandin. Yeah, yeah, Ra- Rasmus Sandin. I think he led the led the team on average like every night that he played in hits, like the defensive core, until Labushkin came, obviously. But like, I just I just think like everyone's saying, oh, Toronto has puck puck moving defense like Sandin. You don't need so many. If if Jake Muzzin and Rasmus Sandin are both playing and Rasmus Sandin averages say five hits a night and Jake Muzzin averages two, that kind of blows that point on the window. Plus Rasmus Sandin is I think more talented than Jake Muzzin. I I just I understand your point, but I just think like it's time. It's time to move on from some of the defense. Yeah, and like I said though, like I want them to trade Hall and Muzzin and replace them, but I also understand that. And like I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying whatever. I'm just saying like if they do run back the same defense, then I'm not gonna. I'm, I know it's not gonna be the end of the world because the defense does play well. So even if they don't replace yeah, them, which, if, which I want them to, they don't. Like what happens in 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 they they trade Rasmussen or he doesn't sign and he sits down and Jake Muzzin gets hurt. So then Giordano could be your second line right uh, left defense, which wouldn't be bad because like you said, he's solid. But then who's left? Like, I don't know if Victor Mete can play on the left side. He apparently is right-handed. What about Carl Dahlstrom? Okay, Carl Dahlstrom's like, I think I'd prefer Martin Marinson over Carl Dahlstrom. Yeah, but when he when he played last year, he was just horror awful. So so say they trade Sandine and their defense is Riley Brody, Giordano Lilligren, and Muzzin Hall. Yeah, and yeah. Jake Muzzin gets hurt. Lilligren Sand or Lilligren and Giordano shuffle up to second pair. Hall will shuffle down, and you play Dahlstrom, then like Dahlstrom only has to play four or five minutes a game. Yeah, but then uh, you know he won't. Like there could be a, a potential, yeah, but like Sheldon Keith rotates besides his top line, and potentially I guess like, his second line. But on defense, like, like uh, Morgan Riley plays what twenty two minutes a night. So like, okay. if he plays twenty two minutes, do you see him playing twenty six? So then Dahlstrom doesn't have to be played as much. I just think like I don't I don't even know but yeah but Riley doesn't be the only have only what ha- Riley doesn't have to be the only one who has an increase in minutes like Riley could still play 22 and Justin Hall could play two more Lilligren could play two more Brody could play two more and that replaces the potential 6 to 7 minutes that you're losing I I guess I guess in that sense you could or be right you play, because or you play Mete or you I, play Ben No I I guess you I guess you could be right in that situation because Brody is left so then Brody could just shift with Justin Hall. So then At Justin Hall would make up the, the minutes. Yeah, that, yeah. Okay. That works. But still, like, I still think I, I see your point and I agree that like we're both saying the same thing. We both want uh, Justin, uh, Jake Muzzin traded yeah. based on cap. But I just think like, especially with this injury history, I just think it's time. Find a place, like find a place for him. If he doesn't want to give you 10 thing, uh, ten teams, then do what Tabo did with uh, Ryan McDonough and say, Rick, we're going to be putting you on waivers. So you might as well just pick a, a, pick a team that you want to go to. And then he has forced to pick a team. Actually, I think with a 10-team trade clause, what, he yeah, he has only the 10 teams, right? Yeah. Yeah, so then I would just do what Tabo did. I don't know. I just think, like, like he's falling on favor, in my opinion. I, I, a lot of people like Jake Muslin because he has this this reputation of being physical, he, he doesn't really show that as much anymore, and that's another issue. It's like you're, in my personal opinion, you're wasting almost six million dollars on a guy that you could just give Rasmus Sandin the two, yeah. 
and, and move and, on. And I agree with that. And, and you could I, easily, I would even you could like easily, Justin Allback, to be honest, over Jake Muzzin. You could like, easily get a replacement for Muzzin in the Muzzin trade. Yeah. But if they don't do it, then I'm, I'm not going to be like like some fans throw hissy fits when, when they don't get the player traded. Who they don't. Like, I'm going to be – like, it's going to be understandable why – even from a Kyle Dubas standpoint, thinks that that defense is good enough to win a cup because, like, again, barring playoff, which at the time was, especially this year, I think was a little fluky, um, like, that defense has been good. But, yeah, I agree. Like, I do want Muzzin to move, and you could replace him in that trade. You could clear up cap and sign a guy who's still there at free agency if he's one available. I just think that you should just sign Ross and Sandin. Give him two points. Two times two, and and let him take the left-handed spot on the second line. Yeah, with yeah, but then yeah, with uh, Brody. But yeah. then I still feel like you need to sign someone to play with Morgan Riley because Justin Hall. I don't think it's good enough to do well, that. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right on that situation. But I, I don't know. I, no I, offense to Justin Hall, he's a good third pair guy, but I don't think he's going to be good enough to increase his minutes a night. To, to 23, 24 to keep up with Morgan Riley and play at a pace that Morgan Riley plays at, where most of the time there are times, I shouldn't say most of the time, there are times where he seems lost on the ice. So to put him with arguably a top 10, 15 defenseman in the league, he, he's going to be even more lost because Riley will be jumping up the ice to join the play, which Justin Hall does sometimes. So Justin Hall will, I, I just don't think it'll be where it'll work. So, if you do trade Muzzin and play Sandine Brody as your second pair, then I feel like you'd need to bring someone else in to play with Morgan Riley. Yeah, and I think, like, I mean, obviously he's gone, and and it it's just. Well, I mean, if they if they trade is. both if they trade both Muzzin and Hall, and they don't have to get solid NHL players back for them, Muzzin could be a cap dump. You could get prospects and pick, and Hall could be whatever. You get a solid minor leaguer who could come up and down the lineup from NHL to NHL. That clears up eight million. You could technically sign John Klingberg. Yeah, like there's still if, lots if, of left or right-handed if, defense. I think that are available. Yeah, and if you trade and then end up trading Kerfoot, like we, I mean, you seem to have kind of shifted away a little bit from that. It's but not if that they I do, don't want to, it's just like I don't want them to get some scrub. No, yeah, but if they do trade Kerfoot and they get a solid second, third line guy back for a little bit cheaper than what Kerfoot makes. Then they still have enough money to sign Sandine. And and going on to this the uh, the the Kerfoot thing for a second, it's not that I it's not that I shifted. It's just recently thinking about it and, and hearing people talk about it, it's like No, no, yeah, I didn't mean like you points. completely turned your opinion. I meant oh, like no, it seems I, like I you're you yeah, you're you're not as gung ho for it like I am. But if I would be okay with Camp being the third line guy and then Adam got dead playing last line fourth line yeah, and and, and then, also there is a guy who i think Toronto should be giving a chance soon and that's curse douglas there's also that uh simeon durash chemsky and, um, and robertson and joey yeah. anderson but like but down the middle and like dennis morgan centers alone dennis morgan can play center and there's also what's his name uh he's like a swedish forward i think Remember, he's the guy I told you about as like Holmgren or something. Oh yeah, yeah, the guy they got from him. Yeah, I don't know his name though. I don't remember. He he's he the least drafted him, I believe. And um, let me I'll, let me I'll I'll come back to his name because it, it slips my mind now. Well, but but I know I, Kyle Dubas said that he's NHL ready. 
I'm going to make a point here, and then you, you could look them up. I feel like this year, with the amount of guys they could have playing on that last line, I forget what year it was. I think it was the year before, the first year COVID, when they had the, the, the bubble. Oh, yeah. And, the, and they had the taxi squads. And like the first two months of the season, Toronto was rotating like five or six guys in on the last line like every other game. Yeah. I mean, it'll be a bit harder this year because they don't have a taxi squad, so they'll have to call a guy up, send him down, call a guy up, send him down. But with the amount of guys that they could have playing on that last line, I could see that happening. Like, they go a stretch of two weeks where it's Gaudet, Abe Kubel, and Nick Robertson. And then they send Gaudet down and call up Dennis Mulgan or Duraga Shentsov or whoever. And then they scratch Kubel and call up uh, Joey Anderson or shift Dennis Mulgan over to the wing or whoever, right? So I feel yeah. like it could, it could be a cycle of guys playing on the fourth line this year. It's uh, Pontus Holmberg. That's the name. Oh, yeah. And he's 23, and Kyle Dubas did say he's getting a chance. Although he's not a he's not a bona fide center, people slot him in at center on every mock thing I've seen. Also, Alex Steves fits in that that category of players, and uh, Nick Abergezi. Yeah, and also I I think that people need to take a step back when talking about Nick Robertson. Like I understand he's NHL ready and he could play daily, but he's only twenty. If he plays on the top line next year with uh, Jarosz Szczemski and I don't know I don't know uh, Alex Steves say. Um, I don't see how that's bad, like, for his development. I know that he wants to be in the NHL, but, like, even if you, if you take half a year and you develop and you put up 40 points in that year, like, I just, especially yeah. with Jarosz Szczemski, because they put up, like, record-breaking numbers for Peterborough in, in junior together. There's also Bobby McMahon. I don't, I've potentially ever seen him making the NHL as maybe as a call-up, but he's 26, so he's seasoned. Yeah. Uh, he can play center. And there's also, I, I don't have no idea to say his guy's last name, but it's like uh, Dimitri, and then it's like the uh, Vechnikov. Oh, Vechnikov? Yeah, he's... Um, or Vechnikov or whatever. He's only 19, so I don't see him making the team. But there is a lot of center depth or guys that can play in and out. And yeah. I still I think Curtis Douglas is going to get that chance eventually. Uh, he's young. He's a prospect of Toronto's. Well, he they didn't draft him. But this guy's massive. Like, when I went to see the Toronto Marlies game, He's got to be 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, like, I, I don't actually know for sure how, how tall he is, but he, he looks huge. I've gone skates. He's got to be. Yeah, So sorry. Uh, Cat Friendly has him listed at 6'9". Yeah. 6'9", 250 pounds. Like, if, if people want that rough-and-tumble guy, like, Toronto has one. Like, just don't make the mistake of uh, uh, Freddie Gauthier. Remember that mistake that they made? Yeah, when he actually was but, supposed to be a skill guy, and they just use him as a—I mean, it obviously seemed yeah. to be right because he hasn't done anything since. But like, I—if this well, guy's I mean, actually a rough guy and like a tumble guy and who can produce a little bit, let him do that. You know, don't yeah. put him up in in different situations. Just let him play the style that he wants. Because six nine—that's like I don't know if that's listed as like it's listed as a site. I don't know if they include on skates or not. Yeah, or he was drafted by Dallas. I think I said Ottawa. Yeah, dude, the 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 guy's actually. Like massive, so I I could see him being the last line guy. Yeah, um, but just quickly touching Robertson, he's another guy that Dubis said was going to get playing time this year. I'm pretty sure it was yeah Robertson. Yeah, so yeah, there could be an endless cycle of guys. Not endless, obviously. There's only a certain amount, but it could be like a constant cycle of guys rotating in and out of that last line, um, getting called out, getting sent down because there's a whole bunch who could fill those roles. And back to the another point I want to make of Robertson is um, 
I, I feel like a lot of people, not even just ignoring the fact that he's 20, want him on the team because of what his brother's doing in Dallas. Yeah. They, they look at his brother who's putting up 60, 70 points, and they're like, why isn't Toronto playing Nick Robertson? He could be doing the same, which one day he may. But if he's still only 20 years old and you the, the, the Leafs front office doesn't think that he's quite ready to make that jump to be a solid even 40, 50-point guy consistently for the Leafs, why wouldn't you just let him have a, another year of development playing with other guys who could come up in the coming years and replace, right? It's just only yeah. going only gonna to benefit you in the long run. Yeah, I agree. Um, the thing that I just noticed about Cap Friendly, so it says that Toronto has uh, 1.4 in projected cap space, like they're over, sorry, 1.4. Yeah. Well, they have Joey Anderson listed on their team. And, like, I mean, he could be on their team. That is a, I, don't think, uh, I don't think he's making the team. I, I think that he's just going to be one of those guys that Toronto's just going to flip in a layer deal and, like, kind of like that Igor Korshkov. Or yeah. I believe that was his name, and then he'll probably like his career is probably never going to turn to what it was. However, like he's seven point or seven hundred fifty thousand. Like if they took that off, technically Toronto would only have like less than a million dollars in cap. But because he's listed on their on their NHL roster, like on cap friendly, he's the only guy besides like Kyle Clifford's there, Wayne Simmons is there. So those guys are probably gone. Wayne Simmons makes nine hundred thousand. Sorry, not one point five. Um, but like Wayne Simmons. Yeah, nine hundred thousand for Wayne Simmons, like eight hundred, oh, just under eight hundred thousand for Kyle Clifford, and seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for Joey Anderson. All of that, like Kyle Clifford and Joey Anderson, even going down, would put them at almost cap compliant. But cap friendly has them listed at. Well, that would put them over. Yeah, true. Yeah, it would. And then if you send Mete and Ben down, that clears up another million. Yeah, Mete and, and Ben aren't even listed on their roster. Oh no! Well then, I mean they they like, still have to move someone. Yeah. They're listed as non-roster players, and Dennis Mulgan's not either. Dennis Mulgan is in their non-roster like prospect section. Yeah. Well, as, to be fair, I, do, I don't think Dennis Mulgan's making the team to start anyway. So. No, yeah, I agree, but I mean, like Victor Mente and 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 Victor, uh, sorry, Victor Mente and Joe Anderson are also listed in that um, like non-roster spot. So yeah. it's kind of interesting to me that like even Eric Schalgren is not listed as a non, and he was on the team to start. So I don't know why Joey Anderson would be on there or even Kyle Clifford because like I understand Kyle Clifford could make the team, but like those two should probably be in the non-roster section, which would then put Toronto as cap compliant. I don't know how, yeah. I don't know how cap friendly, I don't know if it's cap friendly or if it's Toronto's like, no, I, I think I read somewhere that cap friendly does it to, I don't know why they do it. I don't remember the reason the person said, but they do it for like to fill in rosters where they call guys up in the minors just to have those extra guys on the, on the team. Oh, okay. Well, that I don't know sense. why they did it with Joey Anderson because he's not making the team to start. So, yeah, I but don't if know. you do, if you send him down, if you send Muzzin down, if you send or put Muzzin on waivers or not Muzzin Simmons, and send Clifford down, then that takes away what? Like literally two point four. Yeah, two point four, two point three. So they'll have a million. So you you might still have to move someone to to get Sandine signed. Yeah. Which in that case, I think the one that they would move would be Justin Hall because they don't need to clear up a lot of money, so I don't think they would even consider moving Muzzin unless it's for a bigger deal. To me, Rasmus Sandin not being able to be done if those three players are, are put on, uh, sorry, sent down. Rasmus Sandin not being able to get done without having to move anyone else out is a byproduct of them not being able to get 
50% retain uh, retention on memory. That's just my that's that's just my thought. Like if they would have yeah. got 500 or 50%, uh, Matt Murray would have been at like 3 million, not 4.6. And then that yeah. would have, and then sending down Joey Anderson, Kyle Clifford, and Ras- or Wayne Simmons off their roster right now, just on cap friendly, they would have had enough money to sign Rasmus Anderson to 1.8 and be cap compliant. But obviously, yeah. there's some kind of issue, and we're not going to get into that. We talked about it the last time, but like, yeah, I just think. I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last episode or if I mentioned it to you just in passing. Since then, I think it, I don't think I mentioned it, but I feel like the Matt Murray signing was, um, how did I, how do I put like, it was kind of like a, they wanted to do it because there was no other option, but then another option presented itself. Yeah. But by that time, the other option was there. They had already kind of pretty much hundred percent confirmed Matt Murray to the team. Well, that is a hundred percent able to be confirmed because uh, on the last episode of 32 thoughts, Ellie Freeman actually said, so, Ilya Samsonov was not like not something that Toronto. I guess they had they could have had him on his list as a potential, like as you mentioned. Like, yeah, but I, I, think, I don't think I, anybody expected him to be. A, yeah, that's not exactly given what, a contract. What what Elliot Freeman had said, like, so he could have been listed as a potential as like okay, he could have not been qualified. They could have traded him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Toronto's actually number one target was Villuzo, which got done. Uh, what before Matt Murray? Yeah, yeah, Murray was after the draft. So, yeah, Toronto's number one target this offseason for goalies was Philly Huso. Yeah. So then that would have put the Mark andre Fleury thing to bed, the Matt Murray thing to bed, because they probably wouldn't have got Matt Murray. There could have been a chance that they still got Elias Samsonov at that, at that price because they would have been able to probably split minutes and fight for, like, I don't know what Philly Huso made. I think around three. So technically they would have been. With Matt Murray and Philly Huso, or sorry, Ilya Samsonov and Philly Huso together as a tandem, they would have been making just over what Matt Murray makes alone. Yeah. So, like, I, I think that you're, I would say, 97% right just based on what I've heard. Is I don't think Matt Murray was the number one option. I think that he was just the fallback plan because Samsonov and Vanacek and uh, who else went? Flurry and well, uh, I, f- I forgot who else got traded there. Uh, I mean, that was, that was kind of. I wasn't even considering Huso in the equation, which I mean, I guess you have to because I feel like Huso and uh, who's the guy that went to Washington? Yeah. Oh, Kemper. Uh, Kemper. Yeah. Kemper. And uh, Flurry and who was the other one? Uh, there, four? there. Yeah. There's three. I know Vancheck. I don't think I ever Vancheck was ever in for Toronto, but there's one other goalie that got traded in that in that uh, week. But Talbot. Uh, yeah, Cam Talbot. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, those four would have been preferable options for Toronto, and they may have checked in on the agents of the others, and they're like, like, whatever, Huso, no, he's getting, we're getting, working on a deal with Detroit, Toronto moves on, Talbot, like, I'm not sure, and then eventually they find out we're working on a deal with whatever, uh, and then... Yeah, I think, uh, I think I don't think that would happen with Minnesota, though. I don't think that they said we're working on a deal with Ottawa. I, I actually think that that deal with Ottawa came because Matt Murray got traded. Like I think that one. Remember when you you texted us? Remember when you sorry? Remember when you texted us at the draft on the group chat saying Matt Mur, uh, Kyle Dubas, and Bill Guerin were talking? Yeah, I think that Toronto's actual like Toronto was actually in on Cantel, but before Ottawa, and then for some reason they went to Ottawa, and then Ottawa said basically take this guy off our hands because we're also in on Cam Talbot. Like I just think that Toronto got fleeced in that situation. They should have just won for Cam Talbot. <laughs> yeah. So 
than what I said was right. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm saying like I don't think Kyle Dubas called and then then Minnesota said, no, yeah, uh, actually, no, we're... I, I meant the agents. Oh, okay, yeah, I got you. And then Kemper and whoever else, their agents were like, like, no, we're working on a. I don't even know if you're allowed to say that. Like we're working on yeah, a contract so. with Washington or whatever. But somehow they found out that they may not be as interested in coming to Toronto as other teams or whatever. So then they turned their attention to Matt Murray because no one at the time knew Sam Sonoff was there. And then it was like what? it was like, I think it was like the day before Matt Murray was finally traded that Sam Sonoff, they announced that Sam Sonoff was a free agent. Yeah, it was, it was that day. So I feel like by the time that Sam Sonoff was announced as a UFA and not returned to Washington, the, the paperwork for the trades or whatever with Ottawa for Matt Murray had already pretty much been finalized. And Toronto couldn't have backed down. Well, they should have just damn waited. Well, yeah, they, but that yeah, Matt Murray trade I mean, could have still happened today because the, just damn the other goalies they were looking at may have. Well, they were either already moved with Huso or already looking potentially at other teams like Washington or whoever. So I feel like they thought Matt Murray was the only option left available for them. And then by the time they realized, oh crap, Santos there, we didn't need Matt Murray. Matt Murray was already signed or traded I for. I also think that they, Kyle Dubas liked the fact that he could get pro, uh, picks back for Matt Murray. Because, like, if you got Vancheck, if you got Huso, I mean, Huso only won for, like, a third, but Vancheck won for a couple uh, picks. Like, I feel like in every other situation, if you're not trading a roster player or a prospect, you'd have to trade picks. And now Toronto recouped a, what, third-round pick? Second-round pick? Third-round pick from Ottawa this year, which helped, yeah. you know? But... um. I forgot what the point I was trying to make. Oh, and I think that it it's it's kind of like it's not really a low risk high reward kind of situation, but it could be like at the deadline or next season, Matt Murray could have a decent year, and then Toronto could just then flip to sign Ilya Samsonov for a longer contract because apparently he thinks that he could be the guy here. Like just based on what I've heard from just I hope po- 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 uh, sorry podcast and stuff is like he's 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 got a fire lit under his butt. And he wants to, like, he thinks that this is a job that he could win. And this is also a spot that he thinks that he could be a starter in, like, for, for years to come. And he's only 25. So if he plays well this year and Trump signs him to two or three years, hopefully this is the end of, like, the, I mean, we did have Anderson. We did have Campbell for a bit. But, like, I think that Trump needs someone to, to be there consistently with the core. Also, I heard today, this podcast is old, but I listened back to it. Uh, it was it was the last podcast. It was like the 17th of July, but I listened to it again just to kind of get a feel for what Florida the tonight. And apparently from what Elliot Freeman was saying is he thinks that it's to his understanding and there's no evidence to prove otherwise that Jack Campbell's like kind of pissed off or angry with Toronto. Like his, his uh, memories are going to be there, but I guess the situation will be tarnished based on how the contract was handled. So Why? I guess I guess he wanted the the money. Well, I mean, he wanted the he wanted he more than stay, one yeah. offer. But um, I mean, deep down he had, or not even deep down. Logically, he had to know that Toronto couldn't afford him. Yeah. Well, it's so, funny because he was supposed to get six on the open market. A lot of people said six, and then obviously he got five. Some people are saying it's how he played in the season. I think if he would have won that playoff round against Tampa, he would have got six. Six. No, no, just in general. Like, I think five oh. was, like, the, the most that he could have got on the open market, five times five. But I think if he would have won that playoff series 
an even loss on seven games in, in round two, I think that seems would have been like, all right, six, which sucks because I don't even know what Dar- Darcy Kemper signed for. I think like around five or six. But yeah, like, I think it was a little over five. But like, it's still nuts to me that that's how things work. Like, it's not based on the fact that he was a below average goalie, like 29th in the league for uh, a quarter of it at the back end. Like, it, it's just how he would have done in the playoffs with Toronto. Like, that's kind of confuses me a bit because I wouldn't have given him five, to be honest. But anyways, I just want to touch on one more thing because we've got a couple other things that we want to talk about, which might lead into a little bit more discussion. And I kind of want to uh, move along here. So just looking at Cat Friendly, Toronto has Alex Kerfoot, Pierre Engvall, David Kampf, uh, Abel, Abel, Abe Kubel, Michael Bunting, Wayne Simmons, who's not really a big factor, but we'll throw him in there. Justin Hall and Elias Samsonos and RFA um, going into next year. I think that might be the only RFA. Actually, no, they've got Joey Anderson and Adam Goddard, which, again, aren't too important. So Toronto's got potentially, like, say, roughly five bigger guys on their team who are rental players for themselves. At what point do you think Toronto starts contract talks? Like Christmas? Uh, sorry, with who again? What were the five big guys? Uh, Peering Vall, Alex Kerfoot, saying that they're they're all going to be on the team starting the season. Kerfoot, wow. Ingvall, Camp. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily. Oh, Michael Bunting, and I wouldn't necessarily say that Justin Hall is a bigger guy, but bigger guy. Also, they've got Yuli Simpson, who's an RFA. So those six players. One, do you think they would start contract negotiations like around Christmas, barring uh, to see how I things w- go? I wouldn't say all of them. I gotta say, get camp done. Like yeah, camp and camp bunting would be, and and probably Kerfoot. I think would be the ones that they would check in with more than than Engvall, Hall, and the other guy. I can't remember who the other guy was. Bunting and Samsonov. And Samsonov, yeah. I think uh, Bunting, Kerfoot, and and Camp. I think will be the ones that they would check in with more. Depending on how Samsonov does in the season, he may be included in that. But I feel like in the case of Hall and Engvall, I think they would just wait till the off season. Kind of like what they did this year with Engvall to work on a deal. Yeah, that's or, valid. Yeah, Engvall, yeah. I think but that I feel like the other is going to four... take like whatever. Like they could say, we'll give you 1.5 for two years. And I'll be like, all right, it's strong. I don't. I mean, you I don't think, think he's, I don't think he's going to go extreme, but I think he's going to want a little bit more than what he makes now. Well, I think he, he makes nine, 950. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's going to want, like, I think he's going to want like around three, not and, and 1.5. Just right now, though, like they're sitting at in cap space. Um, let's just go forwards. They're sitting at just under 55, literally like, I don't know, uh, 1000 or just under $1,000 away from $55,000 spent or sorry, 55 million spent next year, which is all of the people coming off the books that have 43. So they're dropping around to roughly $1 million or $11 million. I think that they could afford Michael Bunting and then their forwards or their defense drops too. And their goalies stay. But the good thing about the goalie situation is they can also qualify Ilya Samsonov at whatever his qualifying offer is. Yeah. And then someone has to outbid them. Right. Um, yeah. But and- yeah, I, I think like their forward depth, just dropping that much. Like if, if Kerfoot's gone, Kubel's gone, Simmons, whomever, I think that they could reasonably afford Michael Bunting at that price. Yeah. But I don't think that they're going to bring them all back. I hope I that think, they bring back Camp. Well, yeah, I think Camp and 
and Bunting are the two that are pretty much for sure guarantees to get new contracts. I feel like Kerfoot may, I think, if, if he's not traded at the deadline, then I, I think they're going to try to re-sign him. But the other guys, I think they, they could either move them or just let them walk because it's, um, Engvall maybe if he has a, as good a season as he expects to have, like 20 goals, 45 points or whatever. But if he doesn't, then I feel like they're just going to let him walk and try to replace him at the free agency. And then same with Hall and and uh, who was the other guy? Abe Kubel? Yeah. And then yeah. Samsonov, I think they're going to base it on – I think they're going to wait to see how his season plays out a That's bit. That's what I was going to say. I think by like the maybe, playoffs, they'll make their decision. Or even like around the deadline, they'll start – if he's not doing as well, maybe start to, to look to move him. But if he's doing well, I think, yeah, then they'll, they'll – They'll either qualify him or give him a new contract. The other thing um, about next year that, that all of us need to think about. So Amarov just signed <coughs> Amarov just signed a one extra year extension on his loan uh, for Russia. That doesn't mean that he's coming back this year, but all signs point to that he should he could be back this season. There's Abrazizi, Curtis Douglas, Holmberg, uh, Robertson. Ajachemsky, I'm not going to include Sonny, um, Sonny Milano, but Des Malkin in that because he could be gone this season. But also, joining that group of five players, there's also Matthew Nyes. So, as you're saying, I think if Engvall doesn't, if they don't find value in Engvall, like Matthew Nyes could easily take that spot. Robertson could easily take that spot. And those are league minimum. Because, like, if Ingvall has 45 points, say 50 points, and he's at 2.25, he's going to want, like, three. 2.75 or three. Uh, Abel, Abel, Kubel, or however you say his last name, uh, I think he's he's nothing but gone, I would imagine, unless he signs for a $1 million or less. Because, like, there's a lot of spots now coming in to the bottom, I'd say, bottom six, bottom seven guys. Yeah. Where I think Matthew Nyes is going to get a chance, I think. Uh, you could see Curtis Douglas next year. You could see like a Josh Chetemsky potentially next year. Uh, Robertson. Like I think those are the guys that now Toronto's gonna because of Matthews. Because Matthews, uh, it's, well, he's it's, leaving. Come on, yeah, yeah, he's rumored. He's going he's, to Arizona, yeah. or New York, or LA. It's rumored from uh, from Frank Cervelli that he thinks that Matthews is going to be a leave for life. I also heard that Matthews is preparing to to, to ask for as much as fifty million a year. Cap's supposed Which, to go up next year, like like six million or something. It's supposed to go up to like ninety, and it's at eighty four now. So, yeah, but approximately six million. If if he does want more, and then the following year, I think Nylanders is up, right? Well, no, Nylanders is done next year. No one talks about that, but Nylanders okay. actually done with with and Matthews. I, I think he'll want a bit more. So those guys from the minors who are making less than a million, and the yeah. guys that are coming, the Matthew Nyes and whoever else, I think they'll be they'll they'll be looked on as key pieces to, to fill out the roster with. You know what that will put us at? That'll put us in Tampa Bay level range where guys yeah. like Matthew, uh, Matthew Nyes and Ty Voigt and all these other players will then progress into the Barclays, Goodrow, Blake Coleman and Ian E. Gord line. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, I, I think that's what's viable. Like this I, just, sorry, go. No, no, you go. I was going to say, this just popped into my head here. Toronto, it's pretty much all but common knowledge, I think, at this point that, I mean, most people would say Kerfoot, I guess, is the second line with Nylander Tavares, but uh, if they don't actually get a solid second line guy, I think it could be by design. 
I think that they're hoping that the rotation of guys that they do play in that spot will be sufficient enough until the playoffs, where Matthew Nice said that he wants to play. So I feel yeah. like they're, they're leaving that spot open for him to come in in the playoffs and then if he plays well next year, which may be backfire on them because Kerfoot may not have as well a year. Young Croak may, may not fit on that line. But it, it just popped in my head when Matthew Nice was brought up, and then I remember him saying that he wants to play in the playoffs this year with the Leafs. So yeah, it, that, would make, that's true. It, it wouldn't be outlandish, I guess, to say that they're not purposely signing a solid second-line player and they're just going to rely on the guys from the third line to leave that spot open for when Matthew Nice comes, and he'll fill in that role with Nylander Tavares during the playoffs. Yeah, and then that, Kerfoot would bump down, and then probably Engvall would bump yeah. down. Yeah, I think that would work. To be honest, I think that'd be smart. I think that actually is smart. That's well, a good point. It's smart because Matthew Nice is supposed to be a good player. Yeah, I, but yeah, it could it, it could backfire on them because. Kerfo may not have as well a year, and then the other guys who they put in that role on the second line may not play up to the standards of the other guys on the line, so it'll kind of decrease their production a bit. Or there not, could be not, a, not that a, that'll happen because this past year with Kerfoot and and Mikheyev and whoever else rotating on that line, that they, they still did well. So it probably won't happen. I mean, like the the decrease in production or yeah. the cycle of guys not working, it probably will be successful. But yeah, it just popped in my head when you said that, and then I remembered him saying he wants to play in the playoffs. Yeah, and that could there could be a flip flop there with like say no one does well, so they put Robertson there, and then Robertson ends up with forty points or say forty five points, whatever, and then he's feeling himself, and then you got Matthew Nyes come in. Well, they could have a spot set on the second line for Matthew Nyes, but guess what? Now you put Robertson down. Now he's disgruntled. Maybe he doesn't play as well in the playoffs. You know, like there could be a chance that like. Matthew Dice might have a point on the third line, but I well, think that I think that is a is like I I I don't think I've heard anyone say that. So that might be one of the yeah, smartest. What can I say? <laughs> okay, relax. I think that might be the one of the but, smartest takes of the season. To be fair though, if Robertson does come in and plays solid on that line and gets forty five points, and then they shuffle them down to the third line and put Matthew Nyes on the second line, uh, I don't feel like Engvall will be the one to move down. Well, I guess Engvall would already be moved down. So I guess what? either way, I think they, they, they would then shift Yarncroke to center, and the third line would be Robertson, Yarncroke, Kerfoot. And then the last line would be Engvall and whoever else is on the, on the roster at the time. Because maybe, Engv- yeah. Robertson playing with Yarncroke and Kerfoot would still be a well enough offensive line that he could still put up points. I don't think he would be as disgruntled. And then Matthew Knives gets slotted on that second line. So I don't think if that's the case, I feel like that line would be sufficient enough if he is, obviously this is all hypothetical, yeah. but if he is disgruntled that he gets bumped down, moving Yarncroke to center and putting Kerfoot there with him, I feel like that would be sufficient enough for him to keep up his pace of of a point every other game or whatever. I'm not going to lie have. to you. If they, if, I mean, I don't like Ingvall's contract at 2.25, but if their roster looked like Matthews, Marner, Bunting, Tavares, Nylander, say Matthew Nyes. Again, I don't like Ingvall's contract, but I'll I'll, I'll put him here. Uh, actually, I won't put him here. I'll put Kerfoot, Yarncroak, um, Robertson. And this is where I don't like him on the last line. Oh, Camp. That would be the other guy. Ingvall, Camp, and uh, Kubel. Yeah, I think that'd be a sweet lineup. So I think yeah. like I think like to further your point, 
and to kind of go back to the people panicking at the start of the podcast, people are only panicking because they don't have that quote unquote second line guy. But if Matthew Nice did play the start of the season with the Leafs, I think that people would be less panicked. Talking about Matthews, or I'm going to transition to Matthews quick just because I want to touch on it. Uh, I think July 1st, I think that's going to be free agency next year. I think July 1st, he's going to sign an extension. And to all of you guys and girls and people who are saying, if you think about it, New- Matthew's contract ends when Anze Kopitar's contract, you're dumb. That's it. So I'm yeah. saying, you're dumb. He's not going to leave that mecca of hockey to go to LA. I mean, he could. I'm not saying that he's not going to, like he no, could. He's not. Well, but would, that just, just randomly came I'm, out of the blue. I'm just saying this. Winning a Stanley Cup in L.A. could be cool because it's close to his uh, hometown. Well, actually, he's born in L.A. He's born in California. So, like, it could be cool for him. It could be cool to win a Stanley Cup in Arizona. That's never could, probably going to happen for another 20 years. So, I mean, you might as well bid on the lease every year. But winning a Stanley Cup in Toronto, and I was at Legends Road just, what, Saturday? That's yeah. a crazy place. Like, my, my dream of seeing that, yeah, it, w- it was nuts. But you know what even make that crazier? If Austin Matthews was there. And I think that's a draw because he's going to be there because he's already voted what top three best leagues of all time. If not going to be top one, as soon as he signs that contract and and signs his name on that, on that dotted line, he's going to cement himself as the greatest league of all time. And I think that's a bigger draw. And all these people that are saying LA, Arizona, uh, Anaheim, San Jose, you're dumb. You're just these teams because they're located. Like just like Johnny Goudreau, New Jersey, Philly, Columbus, seven hours that's it you can talk yeah it's it's not even comparable go to i mean a couple things it's funny how it switched from he's going to arizona when his contract's up then arizona has to move to a university arena and they're going to play in front of five thousand fans now all of a sudden because of that situation where they know matthews won't want to go there now it's oh he's going to la like that just came out of the blue all the whole time he was with the leafs from the day he was drafted to the day Arizona announced that they were playing in a university arena, it was, he's going to Arizona. The second that they announced they're playing in a university arena, it's, he's going to L.A. He's not going to L.A. If he wins a Stanley Cup in Toronto, there would be no, it's not even comparable. Yeah, L.A. is a historic team, and yeah, L.A. is a big city, whatever. In the hockey world, and Americans may not agree with this, but it's true. In the hockey world, if you are the player on the Toronto Maple Leafs and you win a Stanley Cup, there's maybe Montreal, probably Montreal actually would be the only comparable. And I know fans of Boston and Chicago and Detroit will be like, what about us? Toronto and Montreal are the two greatest hockey franchises of all time. It's not even arguable. Toronto hasn't had success in the last 50 years, but they are the second greatest franchise. Montreal's one. So the only comparable would be Montreal Canadiens. I think There's the only comparable outside of that in America would probably be New York. I, well, I don't. I don't think maybe it's not close. the Rangers. Like the Rangers are a historic team, but I don't think they're quite on the level of. No, they I haven't mean, had the historic success that Toronto Montreal. Has yeah, had. no, I don't mean like historically. I just mean like in city wise, like in the mecca. Like a lot oh, of people would want to play mean, for the Rangers because it's in New York, and and LA is a big draw too. Yeah, thanks, maybe Greg. not so much in hockey, but like the Lakers and the Knicks, or not yeah. the Knicks, the Clippers and the. You can thank ninety nine for that. Yeah, but like if. If he stays in Toronto and he wins the Stanley Cup, there doesn't matter what team you're on besides Montreal. There's no comparable, not even close. Yeah, and I'm just he'll, he'll, he'll be given 
they'll build like 15 statues of him in front of Maple or not Maple Leaf Gardens, in front of Scotiabank Arena. He'll they'll they'll give him a national city holiday or national. He'll, he'll give him a city to the city. They'll give him a, they'll they'll no everybody will get the day off work and they'll call it Austin Matthews Day. It'll be a city he's, holiday. He's gonna get a street name just like Kyle Lowry, and it's probably like, gonna be outside of the arena. There's there's no comparable, and yeah, he may not want to stay. Which all indication from Canada beat reporters, Canada reporters who are closer to the situation than a reporter in L.A. are that he is staying. Chris Johnson's a pretty notorious reporter in Canada. He may, I don't know if he's popular in the States. He may be known in the States. But in Canada, he's up there. Like uh, Ellie Freeman, Bob McKenzie, Darren Dreger. Like Chris Johnson's in the mix of... of and of Frank Cervelli. Like, and, and Pierre Lebron. But I mean, like, probably, like, Pierre, um, those are the big three. Darren Dreger, Bob McKenzie, Ellie Freeman, probably, in my eyes. And then the next level down is, like, yeah, um, Pierre Lebron, Chris Johnson, oh, Frank Cervelli. Yeah, I just wish people. Yeah, it, it just yeah. continue. Um, so he's he's like up there in America. He'd be like a that he he'd be like a high end reporter on ESPN. I don't know any reporters from ESPN because we don't really get ESPN in Canada unless you personally go and get it, which we don't because we have TSN and Sportsnet. Why would you need ESPN? But yeah, there's the LA, Arizona Rangers, Toronto. If he wins in Toronto, there's no comparable. If he wins in LA, yeah, that's great. Like. Perfect example that just popped in my head. Dustin Brown. It's being announced that he's getting uh, his jersey retired, and they're, I think they're putting a statue of him in front of yeah. the arena for the LA Kings. He won two Stanley Cups. And the people in LA are complaining, saying he doesn't deserve to be there. Magic Johnston, Wayne Gretzky, Luke Robitaille, uh, who's the other guy? Kareem, I think, is the other one. Yeah. And then Dustin Brown. They're like, that name doesn't fit. So if Austin Matthews goes to LA and wins the Stanley Cup in two years, no one's going to care. Yeah, it'll be great that Austin Matthews is on the LA Kings, but pe- the people aren't going to care. The, the, the population of, of, of the fans who watch or the city who watches hockey, they may care. But o- overall, the overarching population of the city isn't going to care that Austin Matthews wins the Stanley Cup. If Austin Matthews wins the Stanley Cup in Toronto with the Toronto Maple Leafs, the whole city will be celebrating for months. Months. He'll, yeah. be, a, he'll, be, a, he'll be a provincial hero. Yeah. It, it's not even a comparable. Not and even a comparable. The thing is, he may not be Canadian, but he's not dumb. Like he knows, he 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 probably has a strong, uh, uh, I guess, know how of, of how this is going to work. If he wins the Stanley Cup, like here's the thing: Austin Matthews wants to be the guy. That's his personality. He's cocky. He's he's got big ego. And and I, I can't see him going to L.A. where he's like, he'll still be the guy. He'll be a guy on any team besides maybe with McDavid. But I just can't see him going to L.A. and playing amongst where he's not like he's known as the guy, but he's not the guy in Toronto. He's the guy like he's he's on, yeah. he's on NHL like, covers of games because he's the guy in Toronto. Uh, and he's, like you said, he's already considered the greatest league of all time. Yeah, he's 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 in magazine covers. And stylish and all this other shit or poop and he's and he's he's in gambling <laughs> yeah he's in gambling commercials <laughs> because he's the guy and he's not just the like think about it just think about this for a second Ovechkin was the guy in hockey with 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 Crosby if Crosby played for Montreal the guy 
like there'd be no there'd be no Crosby versus Ovechkin. It would just be like Montreal fans would eat that up. If he played for Toronto, he even if he played for Edmonton, like McDavid, like he's he's one of the guys because he plays in Canada. But Matthews, like if he wins the Stanley Cup, I I don't think that there'll ever be a time where Toronto Maple Leaf fans don't bring him up. Like if you're talking about oh McDavid's better, yeah, but Austin Matthews won a Stanley Cup for Toronto. That's it. That's how it's going to be. Austin Matthews is going to be the guy in Toronto for years and years and years. And uh, on Legends Row, when you see him, he's probably going to be holding that Stanley Cup because yeah. I, I guarantee he's going to win a Stanley Cup in his time. Also, uh, his contract ends in two years. Tavares' contract ends in three. I think by the time that he signs that next contract, he's going to be the, the only other thing besides winning a Stanley Cup. He's already got all individual awards that he could he, well, he could win more, obviously, but that he probably cares about. He says now his individual awards are done. He wants to worry about getting the team award. Obviously, the Stanley Cup. He's going to probably win the cons when they win the Stanley Cup. And also, the only other thing that's left for him to do in Toronto already, and he's only 24, is be the captain. Well, and win the Stanley Cup. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, like, for per, for individual awards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that he could be given is, like, just just yeah. when he, he, won, he got every bonus that he had in his contract as an entry-level contract. Like, this guy is nuts. And, yeah. and some people don't – it's sad that it took an all-star game for people to realize that Austin Matthews was Austin Matthews because a lot of people in the States don't realize. When Austin Matthews yeah. was named to the second cover of the NHL in, what, three years, people were like, again? I wasn't. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Like, uh, yeah. two Leafs? Like, the only other Leafs that we've had on a cover of a game is 2K5 or 2K6 when it was Matt Zendid. Like people are like, oh man, awesome Matthews again. Where's McDavid? Like, no, like as a Leafs fan, like that's like I'm not. I wasn't even shocked. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he should be on it again. You should and, just always be on it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, always, always. That's okay, it. they they should just put on a, the specialty for each team. Like they they should have a main one for like a person who doesn't really have a favorite team or like a a casual hockey fan who doesn't really know that much but likes to play the games. But then they should have like a limited edition one where like Toronto's limited edition is Matthews, Evans's limited edition is McDavid, Crosby, Ovechkin. Yeah. Each well, fan each team gets their own limited edition NHL twenty two cover. Yeah. Well the price is a bit more because it's a limited edition one, but and then no one can really complain because every team will have one, but then they'll also have the universal one for people who don't necessarily enjoy watching hockey or have a favorite team or whatnot. But just real quick. I think the biggest, the thing that annoys me the most when I'm, I'm, this is a kind of a knock on Americans, is when Americans talk, and especially this Matthew Kachuk leaving Calgary and, oh, the Americans want to go home. They don't like the culture in Canada. The, the same thing happened with Kevin Durant coming to Canada to play in the Raptors. And the ESPN guy, who then had to backtrack, said, it's a different culture for, for minorities. He specifically said a certain minority uh, in Canada than it is in America. Yada yada yada. Toronto's the one of the most ethnic cities in the world. Like any any culture, any race, like there's there's neighborhoods. Like it's one of the the most ethnic cities in the world. Americans are just so if you want to call them self centered, if you want to call them ignorant, dumb. They, That's what, it. Whatever. They they're just so unaware of what happens outside of their own country. That to say that Austin Matthews, <clears throat> excuse me, Austin Matthews won't want to play in Toronto, and I have seen some people say this on Twitter, because the culture in Canada is different than the culture in America, and he would rather prefer to play in the culture in America is the like Spencer said, the dumbest thing ever. 
that just proves how little they actually know about Canada. We don't live in igloos. We don't ride polar bears. Sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We don't have moose as pets. It's not winter all year round. Uh, we don't, we're not lumberjacks. We're not, some of us are Eskimos. Not all of us are Eskimos. Uh, like, we are, have a similar way of life as Americans. Yeah, I would say I would and, say, but it especially annoys me when they and Toronto is one of the biggest cities in the world, one of the most ethnic cities in the world, and it annoys me when they say, "Why would he go play in Toronto when it's a different culture than it is playing in New York?" Yeah, New York may be different operating wise; people may act differently there than they do in Canada, but this has a different culture when there's no one culture in the city of Toronto. Yeah. The, the everybody who lives there that comes that comes from different countries they bring the culture to the city it's a melting pot of cultures all wrapped yeah. into one yeah it's not I, one culture canadian it's greek it's yeah. italian it's french it's english okay. it's this, german it's swedish finnish russian chinese i've been saying Japanese. this for years i've been canada doesn't have a culture like there's no besides like their quote unquote canada's culture is yeah is is other people bring their culture yeah yeah the only culture the only place in canada that i think has their own culture is quebec well, and, and like, like small yeah, town. Yeah, but there's like there's like the east where they're like big into fishing and then the west where it's like uh like Texas. whatever they do. <laughs> no, no, I mean like Canada. I mean like Yeah. It's like Texas Alberta. No, but I mean like Texas, BC Canada. is like skiing, I guess, and yeah, I yeah. Sure. You're right. Alberta's kinda like I think the downfall of Canada. But if you're thinking about just Toronto in general, like the I think the only Everyone, every little province has their own cultural background, whatever. But can't like when I was in Toronto, I was like, I think I've been to Toronto like six times, and it sucks because it's like an hour down the highway. When I was in Toronto, two stories. One, I walked down to the Ripley's Aquarium, and I never have seen anything like this. There's like twelve guys or twelve people riding this bike restaurant. Where they're all pedaling and it was just going down the road and there's a guy in the middle chefing up food. And I walked outside the Ripley's and I was like, damn, that smells good. Looked over. There was food trucks, like I'd say probably 20 food trucks, all different people. There isn't there's a uh, Indian food restaurant, there was a Greek restaurant, there was a Chinese restaurant or a food truck. It was just different food trucks. I was like, I mean, we grew we live in a small, small town. I was like, damn, that is crazy. Like I've never seen anything like that, and obviously Austin Matthews as Austin Matthews, he probably wouldn't experience that little bit of thing and be like, "Oh, damn, that's awesome." But like the things that he could experience at different restaurants and like the the city in general, like I just I can't I can't fathom how people in the states are like just Google Toronto, now watch it watch a YouTube video. And the second thing is quick. Uh, we were in this. Me and my girlfriend were in this little cafe place called Aroma, and there's. I mean, this does no mean racist, but there's just another white guy that I was talking to in the store. And like, obviously there's different cultures that are white. But in, in Aurelia, when you talk to another Caucasian male, he doesn't, he typically doesn't have an accent. This guy was like the most European guy. I don't know where he's from, but like in, in, in Aurelia, I, where we live, I would just be like, Hey, what's up? What's up, man? He'll be like, nothing much. You, this guy was like grabbing my arm. I asked him about his shoes. This guy was grabbing my arm. Oh, don't worry, man. I'll tell you slapping me like his culture and how he was. He, he now talked to me in that style. Whereas where where we're from a small town, it's just like, Hey, Hey buddy, how's she going? You know, like just two random dudes talking like awkward. This guy just, he just, 
it was his place. It was like we were back in, say, Czech Republic, wherever he was, and he was just so confident. And I was like, I wish I lived that style. Like, I wish I grew up in Toronto and, and was able to experience all these different things. So it wasn't so much of a shock. And I don't know why it's a shock to Americans, because you guys have different cultures there. You just don't allow other cultures to live your culture. It's your way or the highway. Which which led me to my next point is that Ameri- if I, I think we have American listeners. Uh, yeah, North Carolina if, is our most. If, if they're from New York or L.A. or Chicago or, or Detroit or Boston, the bigger cities in the States, and they're listening, and they're probably going to be thinking, well, look, that doesn't sound so special. We have that here. And that's exactly our point, is that from an American's perspective, you don't believe that we have that. You, you may not. Some of you may know, but there's a large portion of Americans who don't know that Canada is like that. So that is exactly our point. You have that there. We have that here. So it's not a drawing point to bring a player from Canada to America when he can experience that, experience that same thing in Canada. He's not going to want to leave Canada to go to L.A. because they're more culturally diverse or culturally different than we are in Toronto when Toronto and, and L.A. could have the same cultures. They could have the same people who bring their cultures to the cities. So I don't understand why people are using it as a drawing point of why Austin Matthews is going to leave when he's already experiencing that in the city of Toronto, in yeah. the city of, of Montreal, of Vancouver, of Edmonton, Calgary, wherever he may be in the bigger cities in Canada. He's experiencing that already. So how is that a drawing point? And, and just to, just to kind of add on to the point I made and, and the point Scott made, I wasn't saying that, like when I said, you guys don't allow other people like LA, there's, there's culture there. Uh, New York, there's culture there. But like, I was talking about more like Texas, where it's like your way. There's, there's cultures, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, obviously, as Scott mentioned, there's some of the States that are teams that would be interested in Austin Matthews. There is a similar style set up, but like, I just don't I just don't see how Toronto isn't the biggest. The only thing that makes me mad about when Amer- when people say American players want to go home. You know why they want to go home? You know why Matthew Kachuk didn't go to St. Louis? Like you know besides the deal, you know why if he had a choice to do a sign and trade, you know why he chose uh Florida? Uh state tax? Yeah. No state tax? Yeah, exactly. Everywhere in Canada you ding, play. Ding, ding, ding. What do I win, Johnny? <laughs> uh I don't know, chocolate bar. Oh, sorry. Yeah. What, what is state tax, Alex? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, in Canada, for those who aren't Canadian or have experienced Canadian society, you pay provincial tax in every province that you're in. It varies. I'm, I'm assuming uh, I've never been to Alberta. I've never been they have, to they any... have that in this. They have state tax. In this yeah. And I, I know, I know. I'm just, just let me finish. So okay. Vancouver, you, you could pay like it's estimated that if you make $11 million in Ontario, you're losing about a million dollars of your salary in, in, in provincial tax. And in St. Louis in America, uh, they could be losing 500,000 of, of their salary, whatever. But in Florida where Matthew Kuchuk signed, it's just the most obsolete point that people could say, like the point doesn't even exist. Oh yeah. There's no state or there's uh, Americans want to go home. Yeah. But where do Americans want to go? To places with no state tax. It's the same as uh, Brent Burns. Brent Burns originally waived his no trade clause to go to Dallas. One, because he has a house in ta- Texas, but also because apparently Texas, I didn't know this, but Texas doesn't have a state tax. Yeah. Because he was mad about the state tax because he's going from California and San Jose, which I I know they have a state tax, I'm assuming, um, to a place that has no state tax. So it's like, oh, more money. It's like, it, it's unfortunate that people say that, that only like, Americans want to go home. No, um, the American players and Canadian players who lead Canadian teams 
if they're going to a place like Florida, I don't even know other teams besides Tampa, Florida, Dallas. I don't know exactly what other teams have no state tax. I, um, it's just like, it's just like, that's the, the Matthew Kachuk trade in general was dumb. Like the trade was dumb, but like the, the fact that people are saying Americans want to go home, like in his situation. Yeah. He wanted to go home to America. Johnny Goudreau didn't leave Calgary to go to America because he was tired of Canada. He wanted to go to where his family is. So yes, he wanted to go home, but it wasn't because he didn't want to play in Canada. It was just simply that like he's been what in the NHL for 10 years. Like he just wanted to go closer to, and if he really wanted to go home, he would have chose New Jersey or Philly, which was closer to where he grew up. Actually, New Jersey would have been the closest. Yeah. It just, it just was simply that it was time for him to go home, but he didn't want to go home because Canada is so bad to live in. And we live in eight blues. I mean, Alberta would definitely be, I guess Winnipeg would be the worst Canadian climate that you could plan. Another thing about that Americans don't understand about Toronto is we're an hour north of Toronto, maybe an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and change. We get like piles of snow where we live, where me and Scott live, like four feet of snow banks, four, five feet of snow banks. So much so that the cities have to come by and plow the snow banks in half. For those of you that are on Southern climates which is nuts if you really think about it. Like, it's so dangerous that you can't see backing onto your driveway. But in, in Toronto, if you go to Toronto in, like, January, February, early January, there might be snow. But, like, sometimes when you're watching the news and stuff is happening in Toronto, it's like a sprinkle, if not green grass. Like, people are jogging in the park, in High Park in Toronto, or whatever park they're, they're jogging in struggling and it's like barely any snow so the the climate thing in toronto that awesome Matthews can't adapt to it's cold but doesn't always mean that there's going to be snow toronto gets like the a, a very uh, small amount of snow compared to what people contra- um um what am i trying to say uh people's understanding of what canada is because a lot of people think that canada lives in igloos and has polar bears and dumb stuff but yeah i i just i the the toronto draw I, I I can't see that the weather would be a bad thing. What are you going to say, Scott? Uh, two things. There is actually 14 states that are higher or have parts of the states that are higher north than Toronto. I just thought I'd look that up. But another thing is the Matthew Kuchuk wanting to leave because he wanted to go home thing is complete bullshit. Matthew Kuchuk left Calgary. It may be true for Johnny Goudreau, which, I mean, in the end, maybe not because he didn't actually go home. He went to Columbus. Matthew Kuchuk left Calgary because Johnny Goudreau wasn't there anymore. Because yeah. he thought the team was going to be worse this year without Johnny Goudreau than it was last year with Johnny Goudreau. So he decided to leave to go to a team that may, he thought put him in a better position. And also... And no state tax. Also, oh, just real quick, sorry. Florida and Texas are the only two te- states with NHL teams that don't have a state tax. Okay, well, there you go. I didn't know that. I thought Nashville would have been one, too. No, it's... Alaska, Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Tennessee. Yeah, oh, wait, so Nashville. Nashville. Nashville, yeah. Okay, then Nashville doesn't have one either. Texas, Washington, and Wyoming. So, so Texas. Wa- Washington, like Washington. Washington State, not D.C. Oh, uh, okay. So um, Tex- or Dallas, so Florida, Seattle. Tampa, Nashville. It's oh, and Seattle. Seattle, yeah. Yeah, Seattle's yeah. in. So there's four. Um, or what did you say? I, first? I actually forgot Seattle was the team. Uh, the Matthew Kachuk. Oh, Matthew. Uh, yeah, Matthew Kachuk thing. Um. The, the, apparently from what I've, I've read and what I've heard is like the moment that he got drafted to Calgary, he did not want to play there. Like almost like similar to an Eric Lindros. Look it up. If you, if you don't know, I don't want to get into the long story, but 
essentially. But didn't he already sign a new like he that that would have been his third contract with Calgary? Matthew, Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, I think I think that was his second. But no, it was rookie deal, and then it would have been a new one. Yeah, but and Matthew, then, Matthew Kachuk's only like no, he Matthew Kachuk's only twenty four. So no, he would have that would have been his second deal. So like, the new contract he was looking at would have been the deal after his rookie contract. No, so he signed. He had his rookie contract, and then he signed another one. And then he signed. One it would have been a, so. It would have been his third contract. Just, just one second. So standard contract. Yeah. So, so his rookie deal was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. So then he signed three extra years. Yeah. But for, for, from what I've read and what I've heard is that he didn't want to play. Like he, Calgary wasn't the the number one option, obviously. Yeah. Um, then so but, then why do you, yeah. why do you resign? Yeah, yeah. Your your point stands that that is that is true. I'm not I'm not debating that your point is is wrong or anything. I'm just I I, I I'm not saying anything. Like I'm saying that your your point is is valid that he he left for a better opportunity because of Johnny Goudreau. But oh, yeah. all I'm trying to say is like it, it's been notoriously known that he wanted to play for St. Louis. For for as long like he he loves St. Louis. He he has it in his Twitter bio. Like he's he's always going home. He's always talking about his family in St. Louis, does that the other. Calgary obviously wasn't gonna be a long term destination for him. Apparently from what I read is he's told that to Bradshaw Living for years. Like Calgary's not his long term destination. So regardless if that's true or not, it's just annoying to me that it's like, oh, he wants to leave Calgary because Calgary and also the pandemic plays a big big factor in it, obviously, because Canada still has things that America doesn't during, based on COVID and and how Canada was set up with no fans and everything. But like Johnny Goudreau, going to him, he, he didn't leave because he hated Calgary. Apparently it was like one of the, I mean, obviously it was one of the toughest decisions of his life, but it was like down to, like there was like three minutes left in his decision to decide and family members were saying, stay in Calgary, like just suck it up and stay in Calgary. You're going to be set for life. Your grandkids, your family, your family for generations will be set. But then he decided to leave because he wanted to be closer to his family. If he wanted to go, go home. And I understand they're saying to America, but if he wanted to go, go home, he, he would have signed with New Jersey. He just wanted to be in the Eastern division because it was closer to his family. Even Toronto would have been closer to Calgary. So he could have signed Toronto. He could have signed Montreal because it would have been closer to Calgary or from then Calgary. That's the thing that irritates me about this whole scenario. It's like they they want to go quote unquote home to America. No, they want to go closer to their families, which yes is in America, but that still could mean Toronto. That could still mean, like for example, Wayne Simmons. He wanted to come home to Toronto, but he didn't like where his family is. But he didn't also reject the the signing in Buffalo or potentially the the potential signing in Detroit before he signed in Toronto because that's still close to his home. But it's not Toronto, and that it's just. I think that's just the biggest excuse that people are putting on this. And also, it pissed off Elliot Freeman a lot that people are like, "What well, idiot? You signed seven hours from home because you're misinterpreting the home, home as family in that situation." Yeah, and even then, he'd be traveling a lot. Yeah, but like, like just, just 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 because he he potentially lives in Columbus now, he plays in Columbus. Like they they played just as many road games as they do home games. So yeah. he's on the road a majority of the season. So even if he wanted to go home, he still wouldn't, like home New Jersey, he still wouldn't be at home for most of the season. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, like, Columbus is in New Jersey's division, so they're going to play New Jersey two, three times a year versus Calgary 
could play New Jersey once, if not potentially at all. Like they, New Jersey could be one of the teams on Calgary's list where they play like once a season, maybe they skip this year, you know, like it it just, it makes more sense to me. It's like if someone wanted to play in Toronto or Montreal and Montreal didn't want them. So they signed in Boston, Boston could play Montreal four times in one year. So therefore the two times that they go play home games or away games in in Montreal, he gets to see his family. Same as with Columbus. When they go to New Jersey once or twice a year in physically in New Jersey, like he, then he can spend time with his family versus Calgary where they could like they could play one home game against New Jersey and then he doesn't get to see his family. Like it just it just confuses me. And also the guy's rich. He doesn't need to drive his car on the highway to get to New Jersey. He'll just pull a Drake. For those of you who don't know, Drake flew a plane from Toronto to Hamilton, which from my understanding is like 30, 40 minute drive on the highway. And he, oh, yeah, he, he he drove or flew a seven minute plane. His personal private jet. It took him like what, seven minutes. Um what's her name there? One of the Kardashians and Travis Scott. Oh, uh it's like Jenner. Ken, uh, Kendall? Kendall. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever, Whatever her name, name is. is. I, I don't really care what her name is. Um but yeah, they, they got caught doing that too where they were taking like three minute plane rides because they didn't want to drive. Yeah, and now they're being classified as uh, environmental terrorists. Yeah, well, I mean, people because are happy with Drake. It's 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 not good for the environment to not only fly the plane, I guess, in, in their style of plane, but to constantly just do it for three minute plane rides is, is even worse, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I I don't know how like well, there is the Hockey Canada scandal that we could touch on, or we could leave till next week. Uh, well, I think we're pushing closer to two hours here, so I think yeah. we should probably just leave that okay, next week. Well, there, there may be a bit more news on it. Yeah. Um, if you haven't uh, heard, look it up because it's it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, next week I think because there may be a bit more to talk about next week for it. Yeah. So I'll just leave it as this, and I, this might be sad. I don't mean it as sad, but you know who took a plane ride or a helicopter ride to try and beat traffic? Nope. Kobe <laughs> Bryant. Don't okay. <laughs> And I'm not saying this bad. Like, I'm not saying, like, he's an idiot for doing it. I'm just saying, like, he tried to beat traffic that day, and it wasn't the best flying day, and the pilot told him he could fly, whatever the story is. Like, not, I'm not saying Drake and Kobe Bryant are on the same plane, like playing field or Johnny Goudreau or Austin Matthews, but let's just say Drake takes a plane from Toronto to Hamilton because he wants to beat traffic, and that plane dies, or that plane clash, crashes and he dies. Like, it's just going to be another one of those situations. It's like, why didn't he just drive? Like, especially Drake, because like I don't know if you've ever looked up Drake driving, but like there's this one time when he was driving in Toronto. There's a video. It's like eight cars are trying to pull out, and his his security guard gets out of the car and blocks traffic with his body, so then Drake can catch up to the convoy of cars that are leading him, and people are just screaming at them, and the guy's just like, I don't care if you're rich, like. I pay to live in the city too. So it's like, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is just drive. I know it's dangerous to drive too, but like, could you imagine if you drove a three minute plane ride and you died because you thought you were rich and famous and cool and important? Like no one cares, Drake. No one cares. Jenner and Travis Scott. People care when you die, like Kobe Bryant. But yeah. So, uh, we'll end on that. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant and Drake. You're an idiot. But if you come on the podcast, we'll love you.
man, I dig your music. Anyways, we'll close this up with, uh, <laughs> what are you laughing at? You. About what? The joke you just made. Ah, okay. Um, anyways, close <laughs> this up. Uh, don't mind my brother over here, Scott. He's a little, uh, I don't know. He just thinks he's funny. Um, you're, the, you're the one who made the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy's just laughing. And now you're confused now. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much to confuse me, though. Um, also, just yep. just real quick before we end, we forgot to mention this, but uh, uh, Ian Scott retired. We, did, we didn't mention that. Oh, yeah. Ian Scott. Yep. Uh, which sucks, because he was supposed to, he was promising prospect for the Leafs, but uh, yeah, he's had a lot of injuries. So, I think that actually was word for word what Kyle said when we put it on the group chat. He just said promising prospect. Yeah, I'm just reading the group chat right now. Actually, that's uh, what okay. I said. <laughs> yeah, so Ian Scott retired 22, 23 years old. He's going to pursue a different career. Injuries plagued him, which uh, Scott said and Kyle said promising prospect supposed to be the goal of the future. Didn't work out. Hey, if you want to come on the podcast, be the fourth member. Come on. We'll take you. No, we're we already, actually, got, we're we already actually, got a Scott. Yeah, and we're not actually in search of a fourth member, so don't get any hopes up for anyone who's like, oh, damn, I get to be on a podcast. Unless you're like, unless you're like Wayne Gretzky, we'll, we'll take you. Yeah, Wayne Gretzky, uh, you know, uh, Flappy Wrist. I remember when someone called him Flappy Wrist on, Facebook, on Twitter, and I was like, put some more respect on this guy's name, man. Yeah, he scored 900 more goals than you ever did. So Yeah. In like your two and pickup league hockey, don't matter. Uh, anyways, um, that's it for us. Way longer than we expected. I probably will not get the article out tonight because it's already 10 o'clock our time. So uh, look for that in the coming days. Look for the Twitter link for the podcast and get us at your nearest and most convenient podcasting streaming service, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Google. I think we're even on SoundCloud. We're on like 800, including one called TuneIn. Just look up Least Talk Forever podcast and there'll be a list of streaming services that you can find us on. Also, I share the transistor link, which is where we distribute the podcast. So there'll be a list of different icons, six or seven icons. Click one, listen to it, subscribe, get the account. Maybe throw us some money because now that the partnership's over, we don't have any income coming in based on this podcast so if you guys want to contribute to a jersey giveaway just do so uh you can subscribe on our website there's a link at the very bottom put in your email subscribe you'll get uh notifications via email when we post um when we uh, i guess technically when we post podcasts and um and uh blogs also when other people join the network and there's a, i think there's a little chat function too which is kind of cool but yeah uh you'll get first-hand knowledge uh, turn on notifications for our Twitter page too if you're a big fan. And we'll send, when we send them out, you guys will be able to see them right away. Uh, and social media, you know the drill. You know by this time, it's at least talk forever. And uh, am I missing anything? I think that might be it. Yeah. Yeah. So give us a follow, give us a subscribe on uh, any service and uh, check out our podcast and our new website. Hopefully next week, Kyle will be back. If not, me and Scott will run the ship again. And uh, yeah, that's a wrap. Have a good night, everyone. And Thanks. look for look for this tomorrow. Peace.